Welcome to a brand new season of the Ice Guys, season number six, about to begin full season seven, if you include the season we started our very first year in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we are thrilled to be back, and we're fucking amped that we get to drop the puck on another NHL season 2022-2023. Welcome to a brand new season of the Ice Guys, now presented by National Hockey Now. Uh, our new home here and new partner with the Ice Guys. Uh, great to be with them. And before we get into the preview show, we'd like to first of all thank our previous home, THPN, for a great time with them and a great tenure. We appreciate everything they've done. But as this business often, as what often happens in this business, change does happen. Uh, and we are thrilled to be here now at National Hockey Now. Uh, great partners. We thank Dan Kingerski. We thank Joseph Steigerwald. Uh, for making this happen, and we're excited to be uh, here now in partnership with National Hockey Now. How will it affect you guys, though, as our viewers and listeners? Many of you have been with us for years. won't affect you that much. You're still going to get the great show that you've come to expect from the Ice Guys. We'll be here seven days a week, all season long, at the same times that you were familiar with last year. Will be Monday to Friday, 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, and Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern Time. Uh, we're still going to bring you every game on the board, NHL betting analysis throughout the regular season, every single day throughout the playoffs. All of that will be here. We will be doing live betcasts throughout the season. This year, we'll be doing one per month early in the season, uh, unlike last year, where we didn't do any of them until February. So we're going to have an October, November, December, January monthly betcast, and then we'll get into weekly Tuesday betcasts after the Super Bowl. Definitely looking forward to that this season. We're going to have tons of special guests. And really, the show that you know and love is not changing. We wouldn't want it any other way than the format that we love doing and the format that you guys love listening and watching to, watching over the last few years. And that's every game on the board every single day. And it's great to have my longtime friend, my longtime colleague. He's like, I love this guy like a brother. We've been together that long doing this uh, show, uh, The Ice Guys. Alex B. Smith, back with me for another season on The Ice Guys. Alex, looking forward to a brand new season. I'm sure you are. Absolutely, and always great to be working with you. Like I said, it's been a long time that we've been uh, you know, friends and to have this grow into what it is now and moving forward with, with National Hockey Now. Like I said, uh, shout-outs to uh, Dan and Joe for, you know, making everything happen for the season. And, you know, we're really looking forward to it. You know, it's been a long couple of seasons because everything's run into each other post pandemic. Now here we are back in the regular time slot of early October hockey starting going all the way until mid June. And it's just, uh, it's, it's fun. It's just, you know, everything's just really kind of re-energized now and it's going to be a different season. I think in the NHL. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, we're seeing the change of the guard. We saw a new champion in Colorado this year. You know, we've seen a lot of different changes with teams, uh, teams that are going down and rebuilding teams that are starting to, you know, go through their rebuild and move up. So I'm just really excited. It's always a fun time whenever the season starts. This season, I think it's just going to be a little bit more interesting than what we've seen the last couple of years. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be another exciting season. Uh, make sure you go visit, by the way, nationalhockeynow.com. Check out their websites because uh, they're building more and more NHL team sites. They've got the Pittsburgh Penguins, Boston Bruins. Of course, Jimmy Murphy's a big part of that. Colorado, uh, Florida, San Jose, uh, Vegas, Philly. And they're constantly adding more teams as they bring on, as they will be throughout the season, more writers, more reporters. Uh, to cover these teams, great content. It's amazing how much those sites that I've and I've been reading them over the months, as well as 
you know, the writers that they do, they follow these teams. And you can find out so many good nuggets of information that will help you from a handicapping and a betting standpoint yep. with the NHL that you might not know unless you see these writers and reporters talk about it and write about it in their articles. So it's definitely a good resource for your own NHL betting this year. So make sure you check out nationalhockeynow.com. Before we get into the team previews and the season preview, I do want to address two of our good friends who will not be with us this year on an everyday basis. Uh, Andrew McGinnis and Jimmy Murphy. Uh, we're not going to go into the details why that is, but logistically, commitment-wise, uh, there's just other things going on with both Andrew and Jimmy that are going to prohibit them from being on with us every single day. That being said, you will see Andrew McGinnis this year. We're going to bring him on as a guest a bunch of times this year. And Jimmy Murphy, we plan on having him as a guest at least once a week, once every two weeks at the very least throughout the course of the season. I already said Jimmy's uh, with uh, his duties with Boston Hockey now. They're they're increasing, I guess you could say. Uh, so he's going to be even more busy with that, which is why, uh, you know, it's not going to be uh, a possibility from a time perspective for him to be on the show every day uh, this year. But we will have Jimmy Murphy on at least once a week, once every two weeks throughout the NHL season right here uh, on the ice, guys. And he will still be part of the show. And like I said, we're going to have tons of guests. We're going to open the floor and open the door, if you will, to our viewers and listeners. Any of you want to join us as a special guest for one of our daily shows? You're more than welcome. Just text or email or DM uh, Alex or I, and we'll try to make that happen. We're going to have tons of current and former players throughout the season on the show. We already had Mike Crocock join me for a pre-recorded show earlier this week. He'll be on a few times. We've got Kyle Bond joining us again this year. We're going to have Brett McLean joining us again this year. We'll have former NHLer Jay Rosehill joining us later this month. We're looking forward to that. Uh, Eddie Lack has expressed interest in joining us again at some point during the season. So we're going to have tons of great guests current and former players that played the game and players and people that have interest in betting as well and are actually betting at right now as well. It's not just that they played the game, but they're avid sports bettors. They're avid NHL bettors. So having that opinion from them uh, will be a good thing uh, as well. So uh, with that in mind, Alex, it's time to put our uh, thinking caps on. It's time to get down to business here and start looking at these teams for the upcoming NHL season. And we're going to do something different this year. We're going to go, uh, in alphabetical order uh, for a change instead of just going uh, conference by conference uh, or division by division, something uh, a little bit different. So let's start. Obviously, we start with the letter A, and our first team is going to be the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, and look, it's a great team to start with for me, Alex, because for me, this is one of the teams that I think could be massively undervalued uh, coming into this season. I actually think there could be some significant improvement from the Anaheim Ducks this season. I think when you look at their forward group up front, there's a lot to like uh, with this hockey team when you have uh, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegras, the veteran Adam Henrique. When he's healthy, he's still a very effective veteran two-way player. Uh, you bring in Ryan Strom and Frank Vetrano uh, in free agency. You add the rookie Mason McTavish, who's already played with Anaheim a little bit last year. World Juniors, he's played at the Olympic Hockey Tournament this past year. World Championships, he's played a bunch of professional games under his belt already, which are going to make him better for the upcoming season. Uh, Max Comtois, Isaac Lundestrom, uh, they can add some punch offensively from the third line. Uh, they've got Derek Grant on a fourth line who showed you some upside as well last year. So I like the forward group, especially with the Mason McTavish, because I've seen a lot of this guy, Alex. He's ready yeah. for the NHL, and he's ready to make an impact. The blue line, Cam Fowler back. They bring in John Klingberg uh, just on a one-year deal. 
So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. If they have a disappointing first half and none of this comes to fruition, they might flip them at the deadline, try mm -hmm. to get an asset for him. But the, the goal is, I think, to have him on this team to try to make a push uh, to at least try to get into the playoff contention here uh, in the tough Western Conference and even tougher Pacific Division. You've got Dmitry Kulikov, veteran defenseman, Shattenkirk, uh, Jamie Drysdale, a great young defenseman who's only going to get better. You've got depth on defense if you suffer injuries with the likes of Josh Mahura, who played a lot last year, and they bring in Nathan Beaulieu as well. For me, Alex, this comes down to Gibson. Gibson's got to have a bounce back year. It's a horrid yeah. year for him last year. But I think now with a better team in front of him, I'm not ready to say he's lost it all of a sudden after one bad year. Just everything didn't go well. He had some injuries he had to deal with. I think there's a better goalie in John Gibson than we saw last year. I'm, I like Anaheim over their point total. It's one of my bets from a point total perspective. And I think this is going to be a team I'm looking to bet on in spots, especially early in the season. Alex, what do you think of Anaheim? Well, it's great you mentioned Gibson. And I'm, this is something that you could use for pretty much a lot of the teams in the league. Look at goalies who've had some bad years uncharacteristically or just trending, you know, flat downward over these last two, three seasons. We mentioned about, you know, the shortened season, the bubble year, the, 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 um, from the pandemic. I think a lot of goalies were kind of overworked and not used to being in their routine. If they, hockey players are creatures of habit and goalies are even more so. I think we're going to see a lot of goalies that had bad years last year bounce back and have much better years, especially early in the year. I think they're going to be fresh and refocused. We could say that for some of the forwards and defensemen as well, but I think for goaltenders, we're going to see a big improvement in some of these numbers. And John Gibson's one of those guys I have circled uh, to bounce back closer to the form that we saw him at. He was arguably one of the best goalies in the world three or four years ago. And, you know, he's done, doing this with a, what has been a mediocre team. Uh, they're going to be better, like set up front. They do have some injury concerns early in the season now. Zegras being day-to-day. Vakarainen -day, uh, got hit and taken off on the stretcher in the last preseason game. So those are things you got to look out for from an early betting perspective. But overall, I think there will be spots to bet on this Ducks team. Uh, I've cashed a lot of tickets with them last year in live betting and a lot of totals as well. Uh, so that's definitely something I'd be looking at again this year. I'm not sure if they have enough to make that push toward the playoffs. They're in great shape money-wise down the road. Like I said, with the Klingberg deal, that's great. If he can produce, he can. If he can't, like I said, flip him the deadline and don't worry about it. And if he does produce and he likes it there, maybe he takes a club-friendly deal moving forward so they can try to build some more pieces uh, for the future. So I like what Anaheim's doing. I like the trajectory in which they're going. Just don't think they're going to make that push quite for uh you know so much of this year the pacific is very tough this year so i like and i'm over their point total small little just a tiny little peanut of money on the division win but i don't think that's going to happen but it's just at the price i thought it'd take the smallest of shots but more than anything i like that over point total and i even though he's the favorite and, and you can't argue where's the value on it i did take mctavish as the favorite to win the calder uh, this year, I, I think he's got an excellent chance to do it. I know it's only four or five to one you're looking at. You've got Power, Beneers, uh, among others in that mix as well. But I think he's going to have just a terrific year because this guy is already seasoned from time in the juniors, time in the World Hockey Championship, the World Juniors, NHL, several games under his belt at the NHL level last year with Anaheim. He's ready uh, for NHL duty. Uh, and I think he's going to end up having a very fine year. Uh, for the Anaheim Ducks of this season. Uh, I also, at the Vesna Trophy category, if Gibson can bounce back, play well, and I think, again, this team is pretty yeah. solid uh, in front of him. I mean, you take a flyer, 50-1, to 1, John Gibson, Vesna, yeah, why not? I mean, price. 
especially if he's going to be in the, you know, the, the way that they do the awards now, they name the top three finalists. And then, so you have a chance to possibly hedge, uh, you know, if, if you get 51 and then all of a sudden he becomes the favorite out of that group or even the middle tier dog uh, in that three team, you know, that three player group, that's definitely worth something to look at. I do think that blue line's better, which in turn should help John Gibson. Uh, team that I don't think is much better, Arizona Coyotes. Great segue here. Look, obviously Arizona, one of the worst teams in the uh, NHL last year. We don't project it to be much better. And the worst part is, like, this is not even a great roster when fully healthy. What if the injuries strike this Arizona team? I mean, uh, when you look up front, I like Nick Schmaltz in the year he had last year. Don't get me wrong. Uh, 23 goals, 36 assists. It was an outstanding, especially the second half. Clayton Keller, 63 points, 28 goals, 35 assists last year. But then there's some big drop-off in terms of offensive potency. You got 34 points out of Kraus, but Barrett Hayton's going to have to do more for you. Uh, Nick Bukestad, they pick him up, the veteran. How much does he have left? You know, he's kind of seen his play significantly on the decline the last few years, you know, from the Florida days to the Pittsburgh days, Minnesota, et cetera. So how much is left in Nick Bukestad at this point? What are you going to get offensively from the bottom six? Can you count on Nick Ritchie uh, on a third line? I don't know about that if I'm Arizona. And then the blue line's just, you know, patchwork at best. Troy Stetcher, journeyman. Josh Brown, journeyman. Pat Nemeth, journeyman. Mayo's a young kid. Shane Gostas bears a nightmare in his own end defensively. He's, we know he's good offensively. Power play quarterback can do some things there, but he's just a disaster at times in his own end, which is a problem for uh, Arizona there. And again, if they suffer any injuries on the blue line, they're in trouble. And they want, and Jacob Chikrin wants out, and he's recovering from a wrist injury too, and he doesn't want to be there long-term. So that's not a good situation. Uh, and then in net, you've got Karel Vamelka, John Gillies, and Jonas Johansson as your trio. Good luck with that uh, next year. Playing in this rinky-dink little piddly little barn that they're going to play in in Tempe, the campus of ASU. So obviously Arizona in tough. Uh, I wouldn't talk you out of worst record in the NHL props. You can bet those at a lot of books. Um, but there isn't a team that we'll get to that I think has got better value and a better price for that worst regular season record prop. But certainly can make a case for Arizona, Alex, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was two wins off from nailing their exact record last year. I said they were going to be historically bad. And then when you look at what they've got this year, they might actually even be worse than that. They start the season – on a six-game road trip. Then they go home to their new 5,000-seat Mullet Arena for four games, and then they hit the road for another month. 20 of the first 24 games of the Coyotes will be away from Arizona. That's awful. We saw how this affected the New York Islanders last year, and they were a team that still were, what, maybe five, six points away from making a wild-card spot. This is a team that's already the worst team in the league, one of the worst teams in the league, and they're going to have to start 20 of the first 24 on the road this could get ugly fast. Uh, I know our guy Clint, uh, diehard MMA, is going to hate hearing this all year, but we're going to be fading the Coyotes every possible way we can. And we're only going to get time to fade them probably in the first month and a half because they could be so bad by after the All-Star break that, you know, teams are laying $4, $5 against them. You're seeing team totals of four and a half and five and a half. The one bright spot is Carol Vermelka, a guy who was literally fourth in the depth chart at this time last year emerged to be the starter this year that's a huge leap for him but you kind of wonder now as he's settled in there's a lot of film on him can he be solved or can he continue to grow that's the biggest question with the coyotes whether they're going to be a really bad team or one of the worst teams ever it depends on Vamelka. but everything else you mentioned i mean you know schmaltz and keller when that's your offensive one-two punch that's not really saying a whole lot so 
you know, team total overs on uh, Kyrie opponents. Uh, like I said, catching anything you can. If, if you find any any price that's you know you're laying less than dollar fifty with the Kyrie, especially on that road trip, that's when things are going to get really bad. I think for them, that secondary road trip that lasts over a month, it's just awful. And you already hear players complain about the uh, Mullet Arena. They're saying the layout to the you know they don't have enough amenities, obviously because it's a smaller rink. Uh, you know, I was trying to make the counterpoint of oh, being in a five thousand seat arena, could that make a difference for teams who, you know, like the Toronto Maple Leafs who play in front of a sellout crowd every night, all of a sudden they got to go play in this little barn. That's like a practice uh, facility. Will that change change and make a difference? I don't think so. Over time, because they're going to be here for three years, we might see this Coyote team get better and that could make it to their advantage until they get to the new arena. But right now it's going to hinder them even more. So it's like they don't even have a a home, essentially. They're going to be really bad this year. Yeah, and, and for me, it's going to be the you've got to have a, it's the same kind of years you got from Schmaltz and Keller last year, and you need Barrett Hayton, Jack McBain, Nick Bukestad's got to give you something here uh, as well. Even though we've got concerns about the decline in his play, that's what it's going to take. The blue lines just if there's any injuries on that blue line, look out. And they have some pipeline defensemen, but at the same time, uh, if they uh, suffer injuries on that blue line, it is not going to be pretty uh, going into. Uh, at, at any point this season, if there's a multiple defenseman that end up hurt. All right, Boston Bruins uh, next up. This is a team that, you know, when you look at it, uh, they are suffering from some significant injuries early in the season. And we know there's a Bruins team year in and year out. We can usually pencil them in for the Stanley Cup playoffs. That might be far from a given this year uh, for the uh, Boston Bruins. Now, they were 51 uh, and 31 uh, last year. Uh, in terms of their record. Uh, But when you look at the Boston Bruins last year as well, and you're going to see this with teams that won, even the teams that won uh, 50-plus games last year, you look at it and say, yeah, they had a very good season, but what did they do from a profit standpoint? You know, Boston was only plus two units with that 51-31 and record last year. So it tells you that it was still difficult for them to break even with that kind of record. And I definitely don't see the matching 51 wins this year. So to me, it's got me looking at them as more of a play against team and especially early in the season. And we know Jimmy Murphy, our good friend has mentioned this. He's worried about the Bruins coming into the season. And why wouldn't you be worried when you're starting the year without Matt Grizzlick on the blue line, without Charlie McAvoy uh, on the blue line two of your better stable defensemen uh, starting the season out for the uh, Boston Bruins, Brad Marchand on IR to begin the year. And to make matters worse, Taylor Hall's been injured here with an upper body injury in training camp and is now week to week. So all of a sudden, you're missing some significant personnel uh, if you're the Bruins. You did bring in Pavel Zaka from the Devils in the offseason. Uh, you're gonna, they're gonna experiment maybe with him, Bergeron and DeBrusque as a line, split up Bergeron and Posternock since Marchand is out, and maybe put Posternock with Krejci and, and Trent Frederick. You're gonna need Craig Smith and Charlie Coyle to pull their weight offensively, and those are streaky, streaky buggers, those two. You know, sometimes Coyle gets you on, get on a hot streak, and then there's times when he'll be on a cold streak for multiple games. Same with uh, Craig Smith. Streaky offensive players. They're going to need to be more consistent, and you're going to need to see, you know, Jakob Zaborl, Clifton, Mike Riley, Forbert, anybody that's going to play more ice time, handle it. You know, Lindholm and Carlo, I think, can be solid uh, on the top pair, but after that, you know, you're going to have to have guys that play a lot more minutes than they're accustomed. Jeremy Swayman still getting his feet wet as a number one goalie. How will he handle that? Allmark was kind of up and down last year. I think early in the season, there's going to be some tough times for Boston. And because of the fact the Atlantic division as a whole, top to bottom, looks better this year, which we talked about in our free agency show back in July, it's going to make it tougher on a team like Alex, like Boston. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, this is a, a team I bet their point total under. I bet that at 95 and a half, if I'm not mistaken, looking back. Yeah, 95 and a half. I bet them to miss the playoffs plus 130. And I was lucky enough to grab them, uh, or at least grab Washington, rather, minus $1.20 for opening night, October 12th. That line has now ballooned uh, to minus $1.40, $1.45 already uh, over the last week with, the, the, with Hall now being out and more injuries mounting. And it's just... Uh, this just looks to be, you know, one of those down years for the Bruins. It's a team that has been really good for a long time. You know, I mentioned this often. I talked about this throughout the postseason with Tampa Bay, about playing a lot of hockey, a lot of playoff hockey, a lot of big, meaningful games. That pressure stacks up over time, and at some point, those teams just start to kind of slowly deflate. And this is a team that's one of the oldest in the league as well. Uh, and, and like I said, the, the injuries that they've battled over the last couple of years and now the injuries they have this year, you know, we're not going to see a lot of, uh, you know, full effort, you know, full teams necessarily, uh, full lineups from Boston this year. And when we do, you know, will the effort and consistency be there? It, it's just there's a lot of question marks here. And like I said, there's other teams that are growing in the in the uh, Atlantic. And, of course, the top tier of the Atlantic is still strong. So I think Boston finds themselves on the outside looking in this year and they miss the postseason. All right. So not only under the point total, but maybe that no to make the playoffs no prop might be worth a look there, which I agree with. I think it's going to be a challenge for Boston. Buffalo Sabres, guys, we stay in the Atlantic Division here. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres were a team that in the late stretch of last season, I would say the last month or two, we really saw this team start to play their best hockey. Their young forwards were playing uh, pretty good. Uh, the offense started to come to life, and it was great to see that. The question is, can they sustain that now for 82 games? The Sabres will go as much as far as their young players go. How quickly do they develop? But they've got a lot of great high-end prospects within this organization. They've been top five, top ten prospect system. And when you look at this team up front, Alex, coming into the season, there's a lot to like. You know, can Jeff Skinner, can he, uh, first time of many this year with that, uh, Jeff Skinner, can he keep it going offensively because it was a bounce back year for him last year? It was great to see because there were a lot of people just shaking their head at the contract, but finally made it uh, worth the money that he was getting last year. 33 goals, 30 assists, 63 points last year for Skinner in 80 games. That's the Skinner they're hoping for this year, or at least something close to it. Tage Thompson got the money in the offseason, and rightfully so. 38 goals, 30 assists last year. I think he's only going to get better uh, for the Buffalo Sabres. And if you watch Sabre preseason hockey, he's already like on a tear. Like two goals the other night against Carolina. He got in a fight as well. I mean, this guy looks like he wants to prove, hey, you are, I am worth every single penny you paid me in the offseason uh, to be here long term. And from a Rocket Richard, like sometimes I keep thinking, Alex, that if you're not betting Austin Matthews, you're just throwing your money away with the Rocket Richard award prop, you know, as the lead goal scorer in the NHL. And that could be true because Austin's won it two years in a row and he's probably got a good chance to win it again this year. But Tage Thompson at a at a 50 to 1 type price is not the worst thing in the world. Like he approached 40 last year. He's going to be on the top line this year. He's going to, I think he's got the confidence that he's. He knows now that, hey, after the way I played down the stretch last year, I know I'm a goal scorer, bona fide goal scorer. That's mm -hmm. not, I, I don't hate that price at all on Tage as a, a Rocket Richard dark horse, even though we know Austin Matthews is the hands down favorite uh, to win mm -hmm. that award uh, coming into the uh, season. The, the rest of the uh, forward group is really solid, I think. Middle stat, if he stays healthy, he's a decent second line center. Alex Tuck, the veteran. Watch out for these kids, too. Jack Quinn. 
Peyton Krebs is only going to get better. He played better late last year. Dylan Cousins, I think, watch out for him on the third-line center role. I think he's going to have a big improvement this year. And this J.J. Paterka kid uh, has really been good as well uh, here in the preseason for the Sabres. He's probably going to make the team and maybe even be on the third line for them. So very impressed with him. Ocposo had a bounce back offensive year, and yet he might be on the fourth line to begin this year. So it tells you how much deeper Buffalo is up front. The blue line is going to be led by Samuelson, Rasmus Dahlin, who had a big bounce back year last year, and of course Owen Power, the number one overall pick, who will get his first uh, uh, get his first full season in the NHL. They're going to go on defense as those three take them. Labushkin is a nice ad for some defensive presence, some physicality, and you got Bryson and Yoki Haru rounding out the blue line. I like a lot of the blue line. I love the forward group, but the big question is the goaltending. Craig Anderson in his 40s. Uko Pekalukkanen hasn't developed like we thought. Eric Comrie, a great season last year, his best ever, in a backup role with the Jets behind Connor Hellebuck. But can he sustain that this year with Buffalo? That's going to be the question. So the goaltending is where the jury's out. I still like Buffalo. I still think they're worth over their point total and a small flyer to make the playoffs. And more than anything, let's start betting some overs with the game totals with the Buffalo Sabres this year. I think they're going to be in a lot of higher scoring affairs. Alex, what do you think for Buffalo? Yeah, this is going to be a fun team to watch. And we haven't been able to say that about Buffalo, like I said, other than the second half of last year. Remember the Sabres says for a long time. I still think the playoff drought goes another year, so they'll be That'll be 12 years now, but they're on the cusp of really breaking through. And I mean, breaking through big. This is a team I could definitely see being an Eastern Conference powerhouse in about two or three years. They spend their money right, get the right players. And with the, the youth that they have coming in on top of that, they could really make some noise again. So don't sleep on Buffalo long term. But I think this is going to be that turning point. They continue to grow. We've seen them play well in the first half of the year. In the last, what, three or four seasons, even with some bad teams, you know, it was, was it five years ago now at this point we we're talking about them, you know, around the thanks, the American Thanksgiving break, they were right there with, with Tampa Bay in first place. So there's going to be some times to bet on Buffalo early, uh, and there'll be times throughout the season to bet on Buffalo, but I think they might taper off a little bit late in the year. I think there's some other teams in that Atlanta division that are better. I could leapfrog them and keep them out of the postseason, but I definitely think it's going to be a fun team to watch. Overs and, and definitely some dog spots for sure. I'll be looking at with Buffalo's here. Yeah, and everybody in the chat said, reminded me of the good old days last year with those Tage Thompson uh, player props. And player props will be, be a, a big component uh, of this show uh, every day throughout the season again. So uh, definitely uh, interested. You're not going to get the prices maybe you did at times last year, obviously. But yeah, Tage Thompson props were uh, something that definitely uh, put some money in my pocket last year, without a doubt. Calgary Flames. Wow. I remember the last time we were with you before this live show uh, season preview show was the free agency show. And at the time we did that show, Alex, things were falling apart for the Calgary Flames. I mean, Gaudreau bolts to Columbus. Kachuk demands a trade, which ends up happening to Florida. But that was before the trade happened. We're thinking, man, Calgary's going to fall apart here. They're going to be nowhere near as good as they were last year. But then Brad Tree Living refuses to let this team just disintegrate before his eyes and pulls off one of the most remarkable offseason turnarounds from one month to the next that maybe I've ever seen in the NHL. It's really remarkable. You lose 215 points combined from Gaudreau and uh, Kachuk being gone, and you turn around, and in the Kachuk deal to Florida, you get back Jonathan Huberto, who can replace all the assists and the offensive capabilities, most of it anyway, that Gaudreau gave you last year, and you get Mackenzie Wegar in that deal, who just all of a sudden broke out as a legit, top two defenseman, you know, on any team. 
He's a top pair defenseman. That's how good Wegar was. Just ask Aaron Ekblad. Wegar was out last year at times. Ekblad's play declined. When Wegar and Ekblad were paired together with Florida last year on that top pair, they were excellent. That was a terrific defensive pair. So to get Wegar with Huberto in that deal for Kachuk, it's an unbelievable return for tree living. The concern I had when it first happened, Alex, was, well, wait a minute now. Both of these guys are going to be unrestricted free agents after this season. Well, he's rectified that. Jonathan Huberto's locked up long-term now, and apparently Mackenzie Wegar, it's not if, but when he ends up re-signing long-term with Calgary. So a great job by Tree Living, and he didn't stop there. Waiting for uh, over a month to see where Nazem Kadri would end up going, sure enough, he signs in Calgary, and this team is all of a sudden, Alex, right back to being obviously a playoff team, in my opinion, and a, a team that can compete for the Stanley Cup. I think they can because they've got that defensive prowess. Think about everybody they added, too. Huberto's not good away from the puck. Wegar's a great defenseman. Uh, Kadri's a great two-way complete player at the yep. center spot. These are guys that Daryl Sutter will love. Yep. All right? And you shipped out Monahan too. Who cares? Monahan's not a Sutter guy. Monahan's lazy, away from the puck, not good defensively, not responsible. That's not going to cut it with a guy like Daryl Sutter around. He's got guys that will play you know, 200 feet. Uh, both ends of the ice now on this team. And that's going to make Calgary tough. The blue line, I like. Obviously, Hannafin had a strong uh, year uh, for the most part. You had Rasmus Anderson got better. Oliver Shillington, maybe one of the most improved defensemen in the entire NHL last year for Calgary. Uh, it goes without saying. You add Wegar to that group. Jacob Markstrom seems to struggle against Edmonton, but outside of that, played pretty well uh, last year. And all other games, still obviously, a, I would say, a top 10 goalie. Uh, in the NHL for sure when he's on top of his game. No question about that. I mean, Calgary to me is right back to being in the mix uh, in the Western Conference for that Stanley Cup. And to be honest with you, there's that you know debate back and forth among NHL betters a lot I've talked to. Are they worse, as good, or better than last year at Calgary on paper? I think they're at the very least as good, and I'm leaning more toward they're even better, actually. If Huberto plays like he did, and Kadri is just a winner, you yep. know, he's going to give you that. Like, if Kadri, did, you, did anybody see how Kadri played against Col for Colorado in the playoffs last year? He stepped up his game. Yes. For as good as he was in the regular season, he was even better in the playoffs. You get that Kadri in the postseason for Calgary this year, look out. Uh, what do you think, Alex, for the Flames? Yeah, they did, like I said, an incredible job from, you know, like I said, where they looked like they were going to be trending, you know, much further downward to now, like I said, if not being as, as good as they were last year, possibly better. And then to add to everything you just said, based on what I've seen and heard from preseason camp, Dan Vladar looks great. So now you have a solid 1-2 system that really has kind of turned into possibly being a 1A, 1B system. As Markstrom looked great last year, he definitely emerged as a starter. But if Vladar is hot right now, you play him early, you, you know, give Markstrom, Markstrom some rest, you have that tandem that I believe you have to have save aside having a great goalie like Vasilevsky, but but every other team you've seen win a Stanley Cup in the last 15 years, they've had to have good two goalies, one and two, throughout the regular season to keep them afloat, and then you have your guy emerge in the playoffs. So Calgary's in a better shape from that standpoint. They're offensively strong. He said they've got a bunch of Sutter guys, and, and, and that's the thing. If you're going to make this work with Sutter long-term, you have to have his players in. You can't just have – and that's been a thing with Calgary for a long time. The reason we haven't seen this Flames team do much in the regular season and in the playoffs is because there's always been issues about their culture in the room. 
There's always been issues about, you know, laziness and, and, and just, you know, guys just being disinterested. That's always been something that's been brought up uh, throughout the years with, with these Calgary teams when they start trending downward. So this should be a good year for them. Like I said, they're in a tough division, obviously, in the Pacific, but I think they're right back in that playoff mix, and they could easily make a run for the Cup. So uh, with some of the higher prices you're seeing for them, if you want to look for some value for the Cup future, Calgary is one of those teams to circle. I agree with that fully. I mean, I think to win the West, to, to win the West, I've already bet to win the West to win the Cup. Both of those uh, with the uh, Calgary Flames to win the Cup, you can get fifteen to one still some spots with uh, the Calgary Flames to win the Stanley Cup. And to me, you know, there's a lot of books that have them like the sixth highest favorite. I mean, you've got some books that have Toronto as a as a bigger favorite to win the Stan or uh, f- favored by more to win the Stanley Cup than Calgary. To me, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, I don't get that. Uh, at all. I don't get that at all. Even Tampa Bay for all the success they've had. I think I like that Calgary team on paper a lot more than Tampa Bay. So uh, Calgary 15 to one. I think that's excellent value for a team that I think is going to be extremely good uh, this year and well-rounded both ends of the ice. Uh, Let's go to the Carolina Hurricanes now. uh, Next up here, Uh, Carolina, of course, uh, last year, another very solid year overall, 54 wins uh, and 28 losses. Uh, for the Hurricanes last year. But again, we caution you with uh, Carolina was profitable last year, 5.78 units of profit with that 54 and 28 record. Let's see how they uh, play this year. Really, there's uh, the biggest loss up front was Nita Ryder, uh, obviously, who ended up going to uh, Nashville. You've still got Tavo Teravinen, Sebastian Ajo. And if I'm Rod Brindamore, and, and I think he's going to go this route, I'm putting Seth Jarvis on that top line with Ajo and Teravinen. And I'm bumping Svechnikov down to the second line. Because let's be honest, Seth Jarvis supplanted Svechnikov on that top line in the playoffs last year. And rightfully so. Seth Jarvis was playing better. So I think that's the route he's going to go this year. But you bring in Paul Stastny, you lose Trocheck. That's definitely an offensive downgrade. No question. Trocheck to Stastny. Stastny's not the offensive player he was five years ago. Definitely not. But what he is, Stastny is still two-way player, win a lot of key face-offs for you, play in all situations. Leadership does give you that. So that part of it, I like having Paul Stastny on the team, no doubt. Uh, they will miss the offensive upside of Trocheck. In terms of the bottom six forward group, Andre Kasha, you're rolling the dice just like Toronto did last year. Can he stay healthy? Jesper Foss, Jordan Stahl. Can they get more out of Jesperi Kotkaniemi? That was a very, very disappointing first year for him in Carolina after getting him from Montreal. Uh, the blue line still strong for the most part with Slavin, with Pesci, Brady Shea, Ethan Bear, the same, uh, many of the same faces from last year. The big addition being Brent Burns, of course, from San Jose. How much does he have left in the tank is the question. I think his plays suffered a little bit, declined a little bit the last two years, but how much of that was a bad team around him? He's going to be reinvigorated. I'm seeing all kinds of videos floating around social media. The guy's training his butt off in the offseason. I think he's got that energy back because he's with a good team now. Uh, That should help him, and that should help this Hurricanes team. Goaltending is going to be fascinating to see play out. you got the two Cripple Creeks, Frederick Anderson uh, and Antti Ranta. You don't know if you're going to get health from them for a full season. And we know they can both be capable. you got to tip your cap to Ranta. He did everything he could in the playoffs last year. But if those guys aren't healthy and or struggle, you've got Pyotr Kochetkov waiting in the wings, who could be your uh, goaltender of the future, who we saw in the NHL a bunch last year down the stretch, and he played pretty well. So I think they're okay in goaltending, and at least they they can rest on the fact that uh, the two old geezers of the group get hurt. You've got Kochetkov there to turn to. So Carolina is going to be pretty good. 
But I do think there could be a small step back just because I think the offensive depth is not nearly as strong as it was last year. And maybe even defensively, the same thing as well. What do you think here for Carolina? Yeah, this is a team I really like. Uh, and honestly, you know, early in the summer, I, I was saying that this is my my pick to win the Stanley Cup. I still feel confident enough they could win the East. They're definitely in that wheelhouse. Not sure. Like I said, I don't bet many actual cup futures, so uh, I didn't put any money toward that. But this is definitely a top-tier team. I think they definitely – it's a race between them and the Rangers to win the Metro for sure. Uh, as you mentioned, they're not as strong offensively, but I think they just have a bit more balance. I think they're a bit more gritty this year too, and that's something that they're going to need. They're built more to, to last in the playoffs, I think, this year than they were last year. Uh, you know, adding those veteran presences like a, a, a Burns and a Stasny, you know, the goaltending you mentioned, of course, you say Anderson and Naranta, can one of them just stay healthy for a whole year? But if not, you have Kochekov, who said played well in the NHL, got kind of thrown into the fire right in the postseason, had a tremendous Calder Cup run with the Chicago Wolves. I've watched a lot of that with him. He's definitely one of those goalies to look out for, especially if he does get called up and you see a plus price with him. You might want to look to back him. Him, and I didn't mention it with Calgary either, Dustin Wolf. Be on the lookout for him. If you see him make a make a, a call up, get called up at some point because of an injury, don't think about fading him. Those are two guys I'll probably be betting on uh, in their first starts this season should they make them in the NHL. But uh, Carolina overall, top to bottom, I think they're balanced enough. They can stay healthy. They can weather the storm. I think they were built to last in the, the playoffs. I think there's going to be some times to fade them because they might get so overpriced. We might be able to get some value going against them in the regular season, especially later on in the year. But I think once the, the calendar turns toward April and May, they'll still be around. I think they'll be a team that could definitely make a deep run. All right. Good stuff. Well, I know this is the, now the point of the preview show Alex was dreading, but we must approach it. And that's the Chicago Blackhawks here uh, next up here. And look, last year they put they, they actually thought that they were going to be a, a, a dark horse contender, a team that would be a playoff team. We had that kind of upside. Seriously, you rewind back to last year. We thought if things break right for Chicago, they could contend for the playoffs. You bring in a Tyler Johnson, you bring in Seth Jones, you brought in Marc-Andre Fleury last year. What ended up happening? Tyler Johnson underperforms, gets hurt. Seth Jones underperforms, and Marc-Andre Fleury didn't even finish the season with the Chicago Blackhawks. That tells you how much things fell off the cliff for them uh, last year and underachieved. Jeremy Colton gets uh, fired. Derek King has to take over. And now this year, you're definitely into rebuild mode. And it's a question of, you know, you're going to have Taves and Kane at least for the first half of the year pre-trade deadline. But what happens at the deadline? Kane, for sure, is going to end up being dealt most likely. And then we think the New York Rangers, Sabres, Oilers, teams like that are all in the mix for a Patrick Kane uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, and then you look at the forward group. I mean, you say goodbye to Kirby Doc. You say goodbye to Alex Dabrinkit. You say goodbye to Dominic Kubalik. So where is the other goal scoring going to come from for the uh, Blackhawks? Uh, here's to Max Domi, though, to save the day. <laughs> or Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, you know, those are two guys they added who are offensively capable. What am I going to get from Domi, though? Domi in the regular season was terrible last year. Domi in game seven against Boston, he just had the game of his life. But I'm going to need to see more consistency than that from him. And again, you're going to be asking a lot of Sam Lafferty's and your Buddy Robinson's and your Mackenzie Entwistle's to provide some depth scoring for you. That could be asking a lot. The blue line is already ravaged. I mean, Jake McCabe's one of the stalwart stay-at-home defensemen they've got, and he's on IR to begin the year. Caleb Jones banged up. Connor Murphy, what else is new? battling injuries already day to day you got alex Vlasic, uh seth jones jack johnson uh, you know jack johnson's going to be elevated to a top pair not at this stage of his career 
uh, in my opinion, is Jack Johnson, the top pair defenseman. Oh, and I haven't even gotten to the best part yet, the goaltending. This could be one of the worst tandems in the NHL. Peter Morozik, who's inconsistent when he is on the ice and then health uh, off the uh, ice because of injuries half the time uh, otherwise. Oh, and then you've got Alex Stalock, if you believe what our guy Alex B. Smith is saying, might only be still in the NHL trying to get his pension fund uh, from the league. So, yeah, good luck with that goaltending tandem. Alex, have the floor. I mean, it's just it's going to be a tough watch for Chicago fans this year. It's going to be rough. It's literally, this around this time last year, everybody's all hyped up and thinking, okay, Marc-Andre Fleury, you got Seth Jones locked up. You know, Kane and Taves would have been playing through injuries. Or, well, Taves had been out, but both guys seemed to have been healthy. Kirby Dock came back from the wrist surgery. Alex Dabrinkit poised to have a great year, which he did end up having. Uh it looked like they were going to go into Colorado as a big underdog and possibly get a win. They got blown out. They gave up three goals in that first game and ended up losing like six to two. Uh, here we are a year later. Colorado's putting up a Stanley Cup banner in a, in a week, and the Hawks are giant underdogs, and they need to be giant underdogs because they are one of the worst teams in the league. It is pathetic what this starting lineup is going to look like. Outside of Kane and Taves, like you mentioned, the only offensive punch will be a Tennessee and Domi. Uh, I don't expect any of the, you know, and that's the thing with the Hawks over the, the glory years. You had three lines that could give you goals. You barely have one here right now. So the bottom six, I don't expect them to chip in much of anything offensively uh, throughout the season. You mentioned all the injuries. Half the defense is already uh, ravaged right now. And that spells doom, especially when you're talking about the goalies we have. Peter Morazic, who is inconsistent and often injured. So even when he stays healthy, he's just still not exactly a, a quality goal you can rely on to be a number one. And then Alex Stalock, whose glory years seem to be pe- behind him. He, like I said, he's just trying to wrap up the games he needs uh, to qualify for pension and, and be done with it. I don't know if we see him all of this entire year, to be honest, uh, once he hits that mark. So it's just really ugly. There's not much to, you know, like a, in, in the uh, AHL department either, especially goaltending-wise, Arvid Soderblom's your third stringer. So if Morazic does go out, which, you know, you're not necessarily betting on, but you wouldn't be shocked to hear that he's the guy that comes up next, it, it's just going to be ugly. So overs galore, first period overs, full game overs, opponent team total overs with the Hawks. They're going to give up a ton of goals, not going to be involved in a, in a lot of uh, uh, games, not going to win much. Hopefully they can tank far enough to get the number one spot and get Connor Bedard for next year. Yeah, exactly. And this is a Chicago team that definitely is going to have uh, their share of it. I didn't even mention, by the way, Brandon Hagel and Dylan Strom gone as well. And those were two guys that you counted on for offense uh, last year as well, if you're Chicago. So, you know, that offense will take a hit, but I still think they'll be better there than defensively and in goal, which speaks to your point that over still could be in play for sure for the uh, Blackhawks. A Colorado Avalanche, of course, the defending Stanley Cup champions, who I'm not going to be in a rush to back in the regular season, Alex, especially early. You know, you won the Stanley Cup. You you know, it was something they worked toward for years. They always kept coming up short in the second round, and they finally put it together, won the Stanley Cup last year. And I don't know if they're going to be ready to go off the hop this year. Landeskog is already going to be uh, missing uh, the first part of the year uh, for the uh, Avalanche due to injury. Comfer is also battling injury early on. And you do have some uh, questions in terms of who, uh, obviously losing Nazem Kadri was big. Alex Newhook, they have all the faith in the world in him to possibly be a second-line center. We'll see if he's ready for that. I like that they brought Big Val Nachushkin back. You had to after the season he had last year. And I, I like them getting Evan Rodriguez, actually, a very nice addition. This is a guy that stepped up for 
Pittsburgh last year when they were dealing with all kinds of injuries. So I like that addition. Rantanen, McKinnon, Lekkonen likely to start the year as the top line until Landeskog gets back. Uh, I still like them up front. Logan O'Connor. Uh, you're going to see more out of Ben Myers, the college uh, player uh, who you know had a little bit of time with them last year. Uh, Shane Bowers uh, is going to get more of an opportunity as well. Uh, you got Cogliano, Helm, uh, the veterans still there. So lots of depth up front still. The blue lines, I think the best in the NHL, deepest for sure uh, in the NHL. Goes without saying, uh, Kale McCarr, incredible during the playoffs. I mean, we already knew he had a great career up till that point, and the regular season was great for him. But his defensive game has improved so much. And, you know, he had the 28 goals, the 58 assists, the 86 points uh, last year in 77 regular season games. Then he even took it to another level uh, in the playoffs. The guy is just an incredible defenseman. He could go down. Jimmy Murphy, that was not hyperbole our, by our guy Jimmy when he said it, that he could be the next best defenseman since Bobby Orr. Seriously. That's what Kale McCarr could honestly be with the trajectory he might be on right now. Uh, Devon Taves, Sam Gerrard healthy again. Josh Manson, who fit in seamlessly after they got him from Anaheim. Bo Byram's only scratching the surface of what he, how good he can be. And then you've got Eric Johnson, a good, still veteran defenseman, rounding it out. What a sixth defenseman that is. The question is in goal, though. I mean, the one thing about Kemper last year is he was kind of so-so in the playoffs. And but great in the regular season, excellent in the regular season. And now you're going to turn to Alexander Georgiev and Pavel Francouz. And I said in the free agency show, Alex, that I thought Georgiev would be a change of scenery and a really good team around him would help. And then I'm seeing him getting lit up the other night. So I'm not so sure anymore. Like I got to see it from Georgiev and Francouz, who when he's healthy can be good. He's got to have more sample size under him. He's got to stay healthy. But the goaltending is a legit concern here for Colorado coming into the year. But I don't know if it's going to be any kind of hindrance enough to dethrone this team from being a cup contender at the very least again. What do you think, Alex? No, absolutely not. I think they are definitely going to be a cup contender. I think we see them kind of do the old Golden State Warrior kind of move where they, yeah, they struggle a pace little bit themselves. early, yeah. pace themselves, like yeah. I said, especially because of the injury. Think about how injured they were last year. I mean, this team had a ton of injuries to win a Stanley Cup and deal with as many injuries during the regular season and, and key injuries, key players out as they did. It was it's remarkable. So they're going to try to pace themselves a bit more. They know what they have to do, and they're in a weak central division where they shouldn't be really much worried. The only team that that's really nipping at their heels is Minnesota. We'll talk about them a little bit later. But uh, other than that, I, I feel fine with this Colorado team. He said the best blue line core in the league by far. And when their forwards are healthy and rock and roll, and we saw them put up five, six, seven goals a night. So overs galore with them going to have some spots to fade them. I, I really hate the fact that they are opening against Chicago this year, because if there was anybody else they were playing at home uh, for their banner ceremony, night, I would be looking to fade Colorado. I always like to fade the champion at home for their banner ceremony, night, very emotional kind of time. And, and the fact that they're dealing with a couple of injuries as well. You know, if they were playing someone else, I definitely would, would could see Colorado losing. Look at the preseason game last night against them with, with Dallas. They looked kind of lifeless there. And that was with most of the starting cast uh, that you'll see for the, for the opening night uh, lineup. So this definitely will be a team to fade early, but they will get stronger late. And then the only thing you'll be able to play will be overs because they'll be so overpriced. Uh, you know, we'll start seeing them in the 2 $3 range right off the bat as soon as they win five or six games in a row. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I was thinking the same thing because I'm like, oh, Colorado may be not may not be a team I'm rushing to bet on uh, early in the season. But I said if they play like a Chicago, Arizona, Philly, or San Jose on that opening night, uh, you probably couldn't go against them because those are at least in my power ratings to begin the year, which I've already formulated. And by the way, our Patreon page, we're going to keep that going this year. I'm going to have weekly power ratings. Yep. this year posted on the page two sets of power ratings and the goalie charts and i also added home ice advantage to my uh, goalie charts this year too so yep. all that will be available at patreon yeah they're my four worst teams right now start the year san jose arizona chicago and philly uh and so i said if colorado plays one of those teams it's gonna be hard to fade them on banner night and sure enough they're playing chicago uh columbus blue jackets um first word that comes to mind is over with this team in terms of the way they're going to play in terms of their games, their game totals, not necessarily their season point total as a team. I'm talking about their game totals over. They are going to score some goals. I still think they're going to give up some though. Uh, when you look at the defense, I don't know if they've improved that part of their team enough. Wierenski's more of an offensive minded defenseman. He's got to continue to improve the defensive side of his game. The Boquist, uh, same kind of thing. Pete Gavrikov uh, can cough up the puck. Sometimes I like Jake Bean. Uh, Gabranson, great with Calgary, but was that a bounce back year from him because he played better or the product of the Sutter system, you know, which is going to help a guy like Gabranson. It's not the defensive system they've got in Columbus. That's for sure. So can Gabranson play as well there? That's the question in his own end. They're going to be able to score though. And Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Lyonet, the kind of chemistry and magic they could create could be something to watch. We know he's a legit playmaker, one of the best passers in the National Hockey League, feeding Patrick Lyonet over and over again, five on five, and especially on the power play. I mean, this could end up being, and Lyonet is apparently already gushing about the possibility of having Johnny Gaudreau as his line mate. He only had 26 goals last year, but he did play better down the stretch. We know this guy has scored 36 and 44 goals uh, in the past. This is another player that, again, I'll repeat that sometimes because, you know, you're talking about uh, an award you know, the lead goal scorer, the Rocket Richard, Austin Matthews has won it two years in a row. Maybe you're wasting your money and flushing it down the toilet, betting someone other than Austin Matthews to win that. But just like I said about Tage Thompson, 60 to one, you know, Patrick Lyon, a 40 to one when he's going to have a ton of opportunities to score goals because he's got an elite playmaker now to play with and Johnny Gaudreau on that top line. It's not something to look past, in my opinion, a little 40 to one shot, maybe. Uh, on Patrick Lyon A to be the Rocket Richard winner uh, this year for the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Jack Roslovic, you know, is a guy that offensively had a great second half. He's going to help them. Sillinger and Kent Johnson, two youngsters, are going to be guys to watch out for that have great offensive upside, uh, and they're going to be full-time Blue Jackets this year. Igor Shinikov, as well, has had a great preseason so far. He'll help offensively. But the defense is the question to Merzlikens. Is he number one goalie material? We don't know yet. Haven't seen enough. So I think you'll see Columbus in a lot of higher scoring games this year. Uh, what do you think here, Alex, for Columbus? Yeah, uh, overs for sure. I like over, like I said, I could, over their opening night against Carolina, uh, over six. I like them op- over 79 and a half points for the season point total. They got to 81 last year. Uh, you know, 81 points yep. gets you nowhere. That that I think that's an awfully low total. I think they could be a little bit better than they, what they were last year, maybe by just a few games, but that's enough to get me uh, into that 80-point threshold that I need. So I, I definitely roll with that. Like I said, the offense looks much better. The defense is going to be a bit spotty at times, and even the goaltending too because, uh, you know, Corpus Allo and Merzlikens, if those two guys can't stay fully healthy, they don't really have much behind them. Tarasov, 
uh, had an awful uh, postseason so far. The couple of games that I watched with him, he let in some really soft goals. So he needs some more work in Cleveland. Uh, but this is definitely a team I, I think, you know, they're going to be fun to watch. A lot of goals, you know, for and against. But the wins are going to, you know, come in, in waves, and they won't be able to do much to to move up and, and get a playoff spot out of the Metro. But they'll definitely be a team worth betting on as far as over the total first period and full game. I would agree with that. Dallas Stars uh, next up here. Uh, Dallas, of course, snuck into the playoffs last year, barely. And I really think they only got into the playoffs because Vegas absolutely spit the bit uh, down the stretch. They couldn't have played any worse than they did the uh, Vegas Golden Knights down the stretch. You know, when I look at it this year uh, with this Dallas team, they're going to go like, as always, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. You know, they've got to be showing up every night for this team. And there are nights where they dominate. There are nights I can't find them with a telescope on the ice. That's the way you get. Uh, that's what you get with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan half the time. Uh, Jason Robertson getting the deal done finally with him. So he should be available to them to start the regular season is huge. Robertson was just such an incredible. He was the guy that carried them offensively at times down the stretch last year. 41 goals, 38 assists, 79 points. Reunite him with Rupe Hintz and Joe Pavelski. Could be your top line. I love the addition of Mason Marchment. His best season as an NHL player last year. Uh, that will help Dallas offensively a bit. There is some questions about depth scoring a little bit. We'll see if Jacob Peterson, Wyatt Johnston step up. Can Gurionov you know, have a solid year for them uh, up front as well. The blue line is going to miss Klingberg because he played so many minutes, all situations, so impactful. You're going to need more out of Haskinen, more minutes out of Lindell. God forbid more minutes out of Ryan Suter. Uh, I don't know if at this stage of his career, that's a good thing for Dallas. But keep an eye on Nils Lungfist. This is a guy that wanted out of the Rangers because a lot of defensemen had passed him in the depth chart and he didn't want to be sitting and not playing. So Rangers uh, acquiesced to his request, and they ended up trading him to Dallas. And he's played good in the preseason. So Nils Lundqvist's going to get the ice time with Dallas. Can he make the most of it? Uh, and they do have a great goaltender that I think came into his own last year, Jake Ottinger. The only reason they were sniffing around a massive upset against Calgary first round is Jake Ottinger's play. So Ottinger's going to have to be big for them because he's probably going to have to steal some games. I'm not a big biggest fan of Peter DeBoer, as you know. So I'm not crazy about the hire. I'm more negative on Dallas, and I do have a small play on the under point total for them. What do you think for Dallas? Uh, not so fast, my friend. I actually kind of like Dallas to get right back into the playoff uh, like picture here. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the Central is pretty bad. And when you look, you know, you look at the bottom, obviously, we talked about Chicago and Arizona. Talk about Winnipeg a little bit later. I think they're taking a step down. Nashville, they got in the playoffs, but they looked awful once they did. Dallas was the team that, you know, like I said, it was mostly riding on Jake Ottinger, who I think, you know, you talk about dark horses with a Vesna. He's a guy I would give a, a, a fair look at possibly to be in that uh, final three range. He's somebody I, I might actually throw some money on. Uh, but this is a Dallas team that they just find ways to win. And once again, I think Pete DeBoer is a good fit for Dallas because they've been so slow and defensive and methodical for a while. And they'll still keep that defensive responsibility. But we'll also see them try to increase and ramp up things offensively. And, and you know, it's a lot of make or break spots for some of these offensive guys, the Tyler Sagan's of the world that, you know, we've seen just, you know, not really just always live, always live up to his potential, be consistent. Joe Pavelski, a guy who's been a great scorer his whole career, but now in the twilight of, of, of that, can he, you know, produce, uh, you know, one more big year for them? Those are the question marks that remain to be seen. But I think their defense is going to be strong and reliable enough to get them uh, where they need to be in the postseason. Do they do much once they get there? I doubt it. 
But uh, I think they are a playoff team, so I would look for them to, to fall third in the Central. And uh, didn't take a shot at their point total over, but uh, it's definitely going to be probably 100 points to get there. So it's something I would maybe lean toward. All right, Detroit Red Wings. Uh, boy, uh, what an offseason. This is an offseason I thought Steve Eiserman did one hell of a job. He, re- he really did. And I love the head coaching hire, too. Derek Lalone, who is a guy that's got that winning pedigree, Everywhere he's been, he's had good teams. Go back to when he coached in college, USHL, ECHL, John Cooper's assistant, John Cooper disciple for the last four seasons in Tampa Bay uh, before getting this job. He's just coming from winning team after winning team, winning season after winning season. That is going to rub off on this Detroit team, especially when you know everybody was starting to get a little fed up with Jeff Blaschel and the way things were going with him the last few years. It's a great hire. And then on the ice, what he did to improve the roster, you bring in David Perron. He's going to help offensively, five on five, strengthen the power play. Good two way player as well. Don't sleep on that. Andrew Kopp, one of my favorites the last year or two with Winnipeg and the Rangers split time last year. Great in the playoffs. Two way center, uh, offensively good, extremely good defensively, can play in all situations. Uh, is battling a little injury uh, to here in training camp, but it's not something that's going to be significant time. Uh, that he's going to miss. Uh, Dominic Kubalik from Chicago, who if he gets back to that 30-goal season he had in his first year with Chicago, and even if he doesn't, and he gives you at least 20 goals, that's still going to help offensively for Detroit. Philip Zadina, hopefully he can progress offensively. You've got Raymond, the first-round pick, who had a solid year last year, is only going to get better. Larkin, Bertuzzi, Jacob Vrana. They're going to be able to score this Detroit team, and I think improved defensively they are. And this is where I separate Detroit, Alex, from Ottawa and Buffalo, those two other teams in the Atlantic that could be better. I think Detroit's got a little bit more of a blue line that can defend at a little bit higher level with Sherratt bringing him in, a veteran defenseman who's good in his own end. Same with Olimata to help out with Ronick and Mo Sider, who's going to be the next Nick Lidstrom, maybe, uh, of this Detroit Red Wings blue line. You've got you know some shutdown stay-at-home defensemen like Robert Haig when he gets back from injury. You upgraded in goal, and you've got a very good tandem now, Vili Huso and Adelkovich. Adelkovich maybe suffered a bit last year going from Carolina blue line to Detroit's blue line. He didn't play as well. I worry maybe a little bit Huso it could be the same thing. You go from St. Louis's great blue line to a little bit weaker blue line with Detroit. But I still think it's a good tandem, and I think it's definitely better than some of the goaltending you see with Buffalo and Ottawa. Uh, right now, especially with Talbot. We'll get to that. Talbot injured right now for Ottawa. So I like Detroit. High on them over the point total. Took a shot with them to make the playoffs at a plus price. And I'll be looking at spots to uh, back the Red Wings. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. This is a definitely a bet on team. And, you know, you mentioned the goaltending. Like I said earlier with Gibson and Anaheim, I think with Nadelkovic in Detroit, he's definitely going to have a bit of a bounce back year because he doesn't have to be the number one guy. He's going to be – this is definitely going to be a 1A, 1B tandem for sure because, like I said, who's so as great as he was, can he duplicate that? I'm not quite sure. So I think this is definitely a, a good tandem and, a, and a, a tandem you can rely on to trade off and and stay stable. Uh, so I think Delkovic is definitely a guy I would look to to have a good bounce back here because he was awful last year. I think he, he got pulled nine times. That's the most of any goaltender in the league last year. And he was leading that category early in the season. I think he got five pulls before the all-star break. So we'll definitely see a better uh, effort out of him and this offense. And like you mentioned with Lalon uh, as a coach, you know, we you know, maybe we start to see the beginning of that new uh, tree coming from Cooper, like I said, that winning pedigree. If, if he can do something here with the wings. And, and I think there'll be a team that will fight for a wild card spot. 
And like you said, we'll talk about Ottawa in a little bit, but if, if Ottawa can't get things uh, together as far as the net, Detroit has the better goaltending and, and they can maybe eke out a spot and get ahead uh, of Ottawa. They could be a wild card team potentially, but there's definitely going to be some bet on spots with the Red Wings this year. Yeah, definitely. One of my favorite over point totals, to be honest, in the Eastern Conference. That is the uh, Detroit Red Wings right here for sure. Edmonton, for me at least. Edmonton Oilers. Uh, when you look at this team, uh, I'm not going to go into too much depth because really it's a lot of the same pieces from last year up front for sure. Uh, you got done what you needed to do. You brought back Evander Kane. We didn't think so uh, that that might happen, but it did. And he's back. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, Yamamoto. You know, a very good top six when fully healthy. I think Ryan McLeod stepped up, got better down the stretch last year. Can they get something out of Yessa Puliarvi, who's been disappointing? If so, man, you've got now nine forwards deep that can put a puck in the net for you and chip in offensively. I'll give that blue line credit, Alex. I didn't think much of them going into the playoffs, and they all played better than I thought collectively. Darnell Nurse, Cody Ceci, Brett Kulak, Evan Bouchard, Tyson Berry. They all played pretty solid, better than I had reason to expect in the uh, – playoffs last year and the goaltending duo has to be better than Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen just by default it has to be improved and look Jack Campbell hasn't even won a playoff series yet but we've seen enough out of Jack Campbell two years where he's played way above average goaltending for much of the time and he's going to be an improvement in the in between the pipes for the Oilers and now you're going to integrate Stuart Skinner long term as your backup goalie to him so it's a better tandem in net I like Edmonton Cup futures, Western Conference futures. Think about how last year they, you know, had a much weaker goaltending duo. They struggled early in the year, and you still got all the way to the West Final against Colorado. And a full year with Jay Woodcroft behind the bench. Look at what he did. Look at the structure. Look at the kind of defensive aptitude this team finally showed a little bit of once Jay Woodcroft took over. What the hell was Tippett doing? That was supposed to be his calling card defensive hockey and yet they really didn't start playing better defensively till jay woodcroft took over now you got a full season of this guy who looks like one of the sharper great young minds in the game right now younger minds at least in terms of a head coach yeah edmonton definitely uh, and they got a lot of the key pieces back better goaltending lots to like here in oil country in my opinion well you know and here's the biggest thing too we always talk about which team made the biggest splash and biggest signing. And of course, you know, we kind of all landed on Johnny Gaudreau going to, to Columbus, but what was the biggest addition by subtraction this year in the national hockey league? It's gotta be that Mike Smith's not going to be in that for the Edmonton Oilers without question, because now you don't have to worry about his inconsistency. Uh, you know, you, you've got a, a, what could be a solid team. You don't want to worry about goals going in from center ice. Oh my yeah, God. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, so you got a, a tandem with Jack Campbell, who I think, Obviously, any goaltender in the world is going to get the raw end of the deal in Toronto if you're not winning. You know, I'm saying you could bring back Jock Plant from the dead, and, and they would boo him if he can't get you saves and find a way to get out of the first round. So I think Campbell's a good goalie. I don't know if he's a top 10 goalie, but he's going to definitely be a huge upgrade in Edmonton for what we saw from Smith and company. Stuart Skinner's slowly getting better. He's a number two guy at best, but Campbell, I think he can, can handle the, the, the shoulder, the load, and as high pressure as it will be to play in Edmonton, Obviously, the Oilers, they're right there with, with Toronto as far as fans of, you know, the demand to win right now. But there's still less pressure, I think, on him in Edmonton than it is Toronto. Just a little bit. It's still going to be pressure, but it, but but it's enough where he can relax. And I think he, being in the Western Conference as well, he's just going to play better and, and and get into a better rhythm. Remember, he started in the Western Conference those years he had with L.A., so he'll be facing some familiar foes in that division. So uh, Edmonton's a team I like. You know, I'm high on them. They're going to make the playoffs. Can they make it all the way back to the West Final? That wouldn't shock me one bit. I don't see them getting to the Cup or winning the Cup. Uh, 
but uh, they're definitely gonna. They're just kind of the same old, same old. Like you said there's not not much really that that changed other than the fact that, like I said, Mike Smith, uh, after failing that physical, won't, more than likely is gonna be done. I guess his career is pretty much over. So, uh, you know, we'll just see the Oilers. You know, a little bit more sound defensively, which could make them a dangerous team. And Evan Bouchard's just the the the, the breakout from him in the playoffs. Uh, that's now suddenly someone that could be a bona fide top two or three defenseman if he progresses the way he did in the playoffs. I loved Evan Bouchard's game at playoff time for the Oilers, and that was a big reason why that blue line overperformed my expectations, outperformed my expectations at playoff time. Florida Panthers kind of has that feel, Alex, nowhere to go but down. You won the President's Trophy. I mean, you dominated the league last year. You've got some changes here. Look, Andrew Burnett. Tough spot, right? Taking over for Coach Q, who had to fall on his sword because of his involvement with the whole Blackhawk scandal years ago. Yeah. And takes over in a tough spot. And he did a great job. Unfortunately, the guy got punished for a, a, a play, early playoff exit in the second round and a power play that was so great in the regular season that did nothing in the playoffs. He got punished for it. And they made the coaching change uh, to Paul Maurice. Here's the thing, and I said it in the free agency show. Florida has played a transition game, a rush chance game a speed north-south game. Paul Maurice coaches a cycle game, a four-check game, work the puck in the offensive zone. It doesn't mesh with the style Florida's played the last few years. How is that going to fit? The good news is you brought in Matthew Kachuk, who does play that four-check, that cycle game style, get in and hit someone and take the puck, and that's how he generates a lot of his offense. It's a good fit with Kachuk being there, but overall the system with this overall group how is it going to mesh with Florida? I also think they're not as deep offensively. You know, with with Huberto gone, obviously, with uh, Mason Marchment, who was such a big part of their offense last year, gone. You're going to need more from Verhage, Barkov. Kachuk's going to have to deliver the offense he did last year in Calgary. Bennett, Reinhardt are going to have to have strong years. But third and fourth line, there's some concern about consistency, what you're going to get from, you know, Lusterine and, what you're going to get uh, down in the lineup from Florida offensively. And then on the blue line, I've got questions there too, Alex, because Wegar was so good on this team, and he was great with Ekblad. And when Wegar was injured, Ekblad's play struggled. And you're going to elevate Gus Forsling, Gustav Forsling, to the top pair. Is that guy ready to be a top pair defenseman? I don't know. I don't think he is. He'll give me a chance to prove me wrong. But right now, i got to say no. He's not ready to be a number one pair defenseman here with Ekblad, but he's going to get the shot. And then you got Gudas, who's slow afoot, Lucas Carlson, who's good but still young, Mark Stahl now, who maybe best days behind him, and Brandon Montour. I mean, I think the blue line's a little bit weaker. And Bobrovsky, goalie Bob, looks terrible in preseason. There was one game he gave up five goals, and a lot of them are the soft Dairy Queen variety. And now they just signed Spencer Knight long-term. It could be when, not if, Spencer Knight becomes the number one goalie. Uh, for this team at some point this year, especially because he played his best hockey down the stretch last year after some struggles early uh, in the season. So I don't know. I think Florida's obviously still, they're not going to fall off to where they're not a playoff team, but they may not win the division and you're not going to get a bargain to back them because of what they did last year. I'm going to be interested in looking for spots to bet against this team, especially early. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I agree. You'll be able to bet against them. And I also like unders with this team because of the fact that they're not going to play that up and down uh, style. They're going to like say cycle the puck more, be a bit more physical and aggressive. It won't be as clean of a game. And I think we're going to see some, some value where, you know, the books aren't going to, you know, uh, catch that right away. So we might get those six and a half and sevens with Florida early and we'll be able to, to hammer those unders. So that's the two things I'm looking at from a betting perspective. Overall, I think they still have enough to stay afloat. As tough as we talked about with the Atlantic and the teams that are coming up, excuse me, like the Ottawa's and Detroit's of the world. 
I think they still have enough, especially because we're going to see the decline of Boston. We'll talk about Tampa Bay in a little bit and Toronto, of course. They're always in that mix. But Florida, I think the goaltending is really going to keep them afloat. Like you said, Bobrovsky looked bad now, and maybe this is the time where we see that change of the guard. Spencer Knight is the future, and maybe the future is now for Florida. He could start, and you have Bobrovsky as a uh, quite expensive backup. You don't want a backup taking up $10 million worth of cap space. But uh, if he can even play half as good as he did last year as a number two, this year, I mean, that's, uh, you know, Florida team, obviously we saw them as, as good as they were in the regular season. They should be good enough to definitely get back in the playoffs. Just don't know if we're going to see them make a run toward the cup this year. I think they're going to probably falter like they did. And thanks. I have to pat myself on the back one last time for making the call that Florida would end up getting swept out by Tampa Bay in that second round. And I appreciate those guys going to a strip club after losing in game three and then completely no showing it in game four. So uh, I appreciate that. That was a very nice win in the playoffs cashing that prop but uh florida i think they'll get it together in the, in the regular season and kind of fizzle out in the playoffs once again this year yeah and again uh, i wish paul all the success in the world he's one of my favorite coaches one of the real good guys in the league and great press conferences he's one of those guys that will give you everything and then some in terms of information and detail and what he's thinking what's on his mind regarding his hockey team but it's going to be an adjustment i think for paul uh this uh season at the beginning uh transitioning this florida team all right la kings uh, here, uh, there's again, Florida's still going to be good, but like I said, uh, could be some early bumps in the road. LA Kings, uh, team that just had a schedule kind of when you look at the year they had last year, I didn't expect them to necessarily be a playoff team, but you know, there's a team with a lot of young prospects in the pipeline uh, on the rise, and it was a good job by the Kings to make the playoffs last year. I think they're a playoff team this year. How much better they're going to be is a question because everybody around them in that gauntlet of a Pacific division is going to be good and in a lot of cases better. But Adrian Kempe, what a year for him uh, last year, uh, 35 goals uh, for the uh, Kings. Uh, Kopitar uh, showing you he can still play at a high level, 67 points for him, and he's 35 now, no decline in his game. They get Kevin Fiala from uh, Minnesota, very streaky scorer, but does help offensively. Uh, Arvidsson, of course, back again. Trevor Moore, what a great uh, bounce, a breakout year it was for him the last year. Philip Deneau found his offense again last year, and we know he's one of the better defensive centers uh, in the NHL, but he got his offensive game back a little bit. Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, Arthur Kaliev, keep your eye on him. He really got going in the second half last year. Quinton Byfield's just scratching the surface. I think he'll be a lot better this year for the Kings as well. And I like the blue line. Doughty's healthy to begin the year after uh, not being healthy down the stretch last year. Mikey Anderson played well. Sean Walker, healthy again. Uh, Matt Waugh, uh, Alex Edler, the veteran. And Sean Dersey, outstanding last year at times for the uh, LA Kings on that uh, blue line. A little day-to-day injury right now, but they say he should be back sooner uh, rather than later. The young uh, 23-year-old Sean Dersey. Quick and Peterson had pretty solid years in net. I think it's going to be kind of like last year. I don't know if they'll make incremental improvement because everybody else around them is so good, but LA is definitely good enough to be a playoff team again. That's how I see it with the Kings. And if anything, maybe they'll play some more overs this year because the offense is better. And can we rely on quick to be like quick at a turn back the clock year last year? It was one of his better years in a long time. Can we count on that again though, from a guy that is the age and the wear and tear that he's had. And if he does struggle, can Peterson pick up the slack? I do think we'll see a few more overs and a few more four, three games instead of the typical two, one, three, two King games this year. What do you think, Alex? I absolutely agree with that. I love this team as, as an over team this year. Like I said, quick 
as great as he was last year, can he duplicate that at 37? A guy who's like say, you know, a lot of, of minutes played, a lot of groin issues he's had as well. But at the same time, I think Cal Peterson is at that point now. He can kind of step up and take the reins where, you know, it wasn't necessarily that he played bad and became the number two. It was that Jonathan Quick played so well late, he earned the number one spot. So I think we're going to see what they were trying to do at the beginning of last year. Groom Peterson to be the true number one. Let Quick kind of, you know, wind out his career as, as the backup and, and still give you some solid starts uh, throughout the year. But I think their offense has definitely improved, and I think they're going to be as good, if not just a little bit better than they were last year. So I like them as a playoff team, but I definitely think we'll get some value. Just like we just said about Florida with, you know, those totals, the books may not catch up with them, and they might set those a little too high. I think they might set those Kings numbers a little too low, might get some sixes and five and a half so we can capitalize on and go over. All right, and now the only part of the season preview show that matters to one of our longest tenured viewers and listeners, Terry Edelman, <laughs> here on the Ice Guys yep. show. Uh, the Minnesota Wild, we have arrived at them. Uh, Minnesota, of course, uh, last year, they've become in a little bit of a playoff team, like not Toronto level, but you know the disappointing early exits. It's getting to that point with Minnesota. I thought last year was a year that Minnesota was going to go on a deep run, and sure enough, they're getting bounced uh, by St. Louis uh, last year in that first round. This year, you know, Kaprizov, Hartman, Zuccarello, uh, Joel Erickson Eck was pretty solid offensively for them last year. They're going to expect a lot, and they're going to need a lot from Matt Boldy. See if he can uh, deliver that. Uh, Tyson Jost, hopefully a full season now uh, with Minnesota after they got him from Colorado. He'll fit in a little better. Marco Rossi, high expectations for him. And he uh, get the uh, offense uh, chip in uh, consistently for this offense. The defensive core, Brodine, Dumba, Middleton, and Spurgeon. I like that. That's a good top four when they're fully healthy. Uh, we'll see if Kalen Addison, who they've got a ton of high expectations for him uh, moving forward. Uh, can, will he be able to uh, pick up the slack, be ready for regular daily NHL duty, game by game, Goligoski, Andre Schuster, John Merrill, uh, for some depth in case there's injuries. And then you've got Mark andre Fleury and Nett, who, look, was kind of up and down, right, for him with uh, Minnesota last year. And he's not getting any younger. So what are we going to see from Fleury for a full season? And they got to try to pace it with him. You're going to have to see a lot of Philip Gustafson. And I'm sure Dean Evason has committed to that. But they got to play Gustafson a certain number of games and keep Fleury, you know, energized and fresh as possible down the stretch. But you know, I think Minnesota certainly uh, going to be a playoff team. I think for me, it's going to be close between them and St. Louis uh, when you look at uh, the uh, Central Division here, uh, second and third spots. They'll be battling for it in that division probably. It's a coin flip who you like better. Minnesota will be a playoff team, but again, they've got some playoff demons that they're, they're starting to become prevalent, and they're going to have to answer them. Yeah, I agree, and I think they do answer those questions and, and more. This is the team I like to possibly win the Central, depending on how healthy can they stay and how healthy can Colorado stay. I think they're going to be neck and neck. We already talked about Colorado kind of starting off slow. Can the Wild start off hot and, and, and you know kind of have that same run they did the first half of last year? That'll be the key, whether they can win this division or just simply be a, a playoff team. But moving forward, the biggest question, of course, will be in goal. You know, Like I said, Marc-Andre Fleury, he stayed relatively healthy his whole career. He's also stayed relatively consistent his whole career. So can he do both of those things? And if not, can Philip Gustafson, who's still off young at 21, going to be 22 this year, can he step up and give you 25 solid games? That's the thing I worry about. You know, I, I like the move of, of getting rid of Talbot. And, of course, now we see what, you know, Talbot being hurt now. Uh, you know, Flory is the guy to, to rely on. But 
you know, could you have gotten a better backup? You don't want to start the clock on Wallstead, Jesper Wallstead, just yet. He needs one more good year in Iowa before he's ready to take over this team. And that's kind of what the plan seems to be when you look at Flurry's two-year deal. You think Flurry is the starter this year, then Flurry becomes the backup next year or the, or the 1B option to get Wallstead groomed and ready for the future. So that's the only question mark I have. But other than uh, that, offensively and defensively, I think they're still pretty sound. Fiala is going to be a, a bit of a loss, but – uh, he played his way out of out of that town because of the fact that you look at, you know, how he just stayed in the penalty box basically the entire time for the, for the playoffs. Uh, and like I said, his scoring uh, consistency was streaky uh, at best. So I think they'll be able to, to to move on. I think there's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, young talent that's ready to, to bloom and blossom. Marco Rossi uh, and some other guys down there in, in Iowa that if they're given the chance could step up and shine. And, you know, you talked about Rocket Richard, uh, you know, props. You want to take a probably not the longest of shots, but definitely somebody I would definitely look at being in the top three of that range. Definitely Kuro Kaprizov. He yep. stays healthy. Uh, this is a guy he could also possibly be a dark horse for the Art Ross. Uh, you know, it's a guy who had a hundred point season. He can duplicate that success and, and and maybe even chip in a little more. We could see him do some big things. And this wild team, they they look good enough to me to where if they can stay healthy. And I think they can finally overcome some of those demons in the playoffs. They could make it to the Western Conference Final or even win the West. So uh, I'd take a, a bit of a, of a long shot bet with the Wild to win the West and get to the Stanley Cup Final. All right, like in the Wild here is a futures uh, choice for Western Conference and the Stanley Cup. I don't think we feel that way about the Montreal Canadiens uh, in the East, our uh, next team here. Uh, look, Montreal, though, I will say this. I think it is a variance team coming into this season. They could be just as bad as they were last year. However, they could be significantly improved as well. I think it could go either way because you have to also factor in there was improvement with this team when Marty Saint-Louis took over. You know, the Ducharme part of the season last year for Montreal compared to the Saint-Louis part of the season, there's no comparison. They did play with more structure. They did look better overall. But at the same time, you look at the roster this year and you look at the top six, Caulfield, Suzuki's kind of battling injury already in training camp. Hoffman, Drouin, who's a wild card. We don't know what we're going to get from him. Monaghan, I have no confidence in him until I see something between injuries and just not showing up half the time. Uh, Josh Anderson, uh, then you've got a big drop-off. Dvorak, Dodonov are capable, but Gallagher, but you know, you've got a uh, you got some issues here uh, up front in terms of uh, what you're going to get consistently from them. Is Slavkovsky even going to start the season with the team? I don't think he will, If you, if you to be quite honest. He hasn't stuck out in preseason enough, in my opinion, to the point where you're comfortable putting Uri Slavkovsky in there, I think, to begin the regular season for the uh, Canadians. Uh, the defense is terrible, in my opinion. I mean, I love the addition of Mike Matheson, and thank goodness they have him. And they sent Petrie the other way, which is not a huge loss because he struggled with Montreal last year. And I think Matheson is better than Petrie. But after that, you got David Savard, who didn't play well last year, Jordan Harris, Justin Barron, Madison Bowie, Chris Weidman. I mean, these are guys that are going to be asked to play, you know, three to six defensemen for guys that are barely, you know, five, six defensemen. That's trouble. And Joel Edmondson on IR doesn't help to begin the year. I like Jake Allen, but Jake Allen now is a number one goalie with a shaky blue line in front of him. And the same goes for Montembeau, who hasn't been consistent. So that's going to be my concern for Montreal. That blue line is definitely a weak point for this hockey team. And I'm more anti-Montreal than pro-Montreal, but I do leave the door open because this team's just overall performance as a group was better with San Luis. They'll need that and then some to make any kind of inroads this year in his first full season behind the bench. 
Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a hard team to read and bet on this year. I think they're going to be streaky enough to where you got to try to catch the wave at the right time to jump on or off of them or, you know, or for a look to fade them. Uh, they said they could be awful. They could be one of the you know worst you know four or five teams in the league, or they could you know be one of those teams that are just kind of pesky and hangs around a little bit and then fades out a little bit later in the, in the year. So it's it's really tough read. I would definitely look at overs with the goalie situation. Jake Allen, you know, they're keeping him around long term. Obviously, Carey Price's career is essentially over. Uh, he doesn't have much backing him up. So if he's whenever he's out, look to fade the Canadians. Maybe look to take some overs with with those backups that he has. Uh, this is one of the weaker goalie, not just duo, but trios. Uh, in the league, as far as I'm concerned, there are going to be some nights when they surprise as uh, you know underdogs, and they're going to end up surprising some teams. And there will be some spots to take them. But again, I am worried about the blue line. And again, you've got an Allen Montembeau combination, and I don't know if either one's ready for a number one goalie type of workload or quality in t- terms of performance as a number one. Nashville Predators. Um, look, Nashville made the playoffs last year, just got in, and then they got ambushed by Colorado. Didn't help that UC Soros was unavailable. They had Big Civ Dave and Connor Ingram. That's like throwing them to the wolves, you know, against a team like Colorado uh, last year. But, you know, UC Soros is healthy now. Uh, the only major change up front was bringing in Nito Niederreiter from uh, Carolina. You've got Johansson, Granlin, Duchesne, Forsberg, Trennan, Sissons, T- Tanner Janot, Ellie Tolvanen. Very much the same players. By the way, if you didn't get a chance to check it out, check it out on YouTube. Check it. has been on social media. Cody Glass finding out he's going to make the team in the uh, meeting room there with GM David Poyle and head coach John Hines. It was great. I mean, just raw emotion that, hey, I'm going to be making the team, and he's relieved and excited and emotional. It's great. It's a great scene. So you should see that if you haven't seen it yet. It was pretty cool. Uh, Roman Yossi, unbelievable season, the best season of his. And he's had a great career, and yet last year, uh, he put his best season on the board. It was an incredible season. Uh, Carrier, McDonough, a nice addition from Tampa Bay. Gives them that winning residue, if you will, that winning experience uh, of winning a Stanley Cup. Ekholm, Fabro, uh, Borbietsky, and Lozon. So the defense isn't bad. Soros is a good goalie when he's healthy. Um, they're going to be life and death to make the playoffs. You know, that's exactly where I see Nashville. Could make it. I think it's going to be close. It's going to be tight. But they are in the weaker of the two divisions in the Western Conference, the Central. So that should give them an opportunity to make it. But again, with Nashville, you know, last year they outperformed a little bit. I'm going to have to see it this year from them. I'm kind of neutral on them, but just by default, you know, I'm not a big John Hines guy. So that's why I kind of lean toward them, maybe not being nearly as good this year as last year. But uh, it's just a lukewarm opinion at that for me when it comes to uh, Nashville. What do you think here, Alex? No, I like this team to miss the playoffs for sure. Uh, this is definitely – and it's not going to be that they're just going to be awful. They're going to play okay, but I think, for one, the Central's only sending three teams, and I think that's Colorado, Minnesota, and, and Dallas. So it kind of gives you a, an idea of what I think about the rest. But they're going to be one of those teams that will see a little bit better play in goal because they got rid of Riddick. They did get Kevin Lincoln in, who was – you know, Played great in Chicago despite having an absolutely horrible blue line in front of him. He's going to have much better defenders in front of him. And I think he might actually be one of those backups that you can bet on from time to time. I think we'll see him play a little bit more like he did his rookie season, uh, especially with some help in front. And Soros won't have to play so many minutes. But you don't want him to get waterlogged the same way that they did to Pekka Rene throughout his career. You, you, you're going to want Soros to stay a little bit fresher longer. And uh, I think Lincoln might be a better answer to that than what they had last season. But uh, as far as their offense goes, it's just really, really streaky. Of course, as a team, you always want to look to, to back at home. And 
sometimes fade on the road. Uh, so that's the thing. If they start to, to wear and, and and lose some of that home luster, then that this is a team that could be in trouble. I think they see themselves on the outside looking in, not because they have such a terrible year, but I just think there's way too much in the Pacific going on, and I think there's better teams in the Central that they just kind of get left uh, on the outside at its very end. Yeah, and by the way, they are a no at a plus 145 or so uh, to miss the playoffs, the uh, Nashville Predators. So you get a, a decent price with that uh, if uh, you are uh, so inclined. And I lean to the under point total as well uh, with the uh, Predators. Didn't bet it, but lean that way. New Jersey Devils uh, next up here. Man, I'm telling you what, the New Jersey Devils last year had only 63 points, and yet <laughs> I'm seeing their season point total this year for, for the Devils up to as high as a 91 and a half. Like I I'm actually shocked by this, that there's this kind of improvement. And look, I came into this year thinking New Jersey was going to be a little bit better, but we're talking about a devil's team that again, last year, 63 points, their point total right now is 91 and a half. We think they're going to be 29 points better this year. Um, I, I think they're improved. And I think offensively, they look really good. Heeshear, Brat, Mercer, Hughes. They bring in Andre Pilat from Tampa Bay, guy that's won multiple Stanley Cups. That helps. Thomas Tatar had a better year last year. Uh, they've got Boquist. They've got Fabian Zetterlin. They bring in Eric Howley, Igor Sharangovich. What if Miles Wood gets back to full health and has a year that we think he's a good player? I do, but he was marred by injuries last year. That's a very good forward group, but how are they going to keep the puck out of the net? It's the same concern we have with New Jersey year in and year out. Dougie Hamilton can be uh, problematic in his own end, although he's good offensively, certainly. Jonas Siegenthaler, same thing. Ryan Graves, more of an offensive-minded rush the puck, smaller stature, sometimes has trouble with getting people to clear the front of the net. That's an issue at times for him. Damon Severson, uh, Brendan Smith, John Marino. I like a couple of those depth defensemen, but overall, this team's going to have to show they can keep the puck out of the net. And look, Washington didn't keep Vitek Vanacek. Do we know if he's going to have a bounce back year in New Jersey? And Mackenzie Blackwood, what good one game, bad the next, and injured the next game after that. That's basically what you get from Mackenzie Blackwood. Good one game, bad the next, and then he's injured the third game. You know, that, <laughs> that's been Mackenzie Blackwood's career. So you're projecting a 29-point improvement, and I think they're better than 63 points from last year, but that much improvement? They're going to be able to score goals left. I think they're a great over team with their game totals this year. But that defense and that goaltending has me hard time thinking that they're 29 points better than they were last year, Alex. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I was stunned by that, too. And and it's funny because, you know, the goaltending, I think, will be better for both guys. These are, you know, the two other goalies I had circled and, and that mentioned uh, about, you know, the rough years they had. You know, look at Mackenzie Blackwood. He, you know, chose not to get vaccinated. So they had to get another goalie in for that. They used five different goalies last year with the Devils. It was mostly because of. His, you know, not being able to go to Canada or his injuries. So if he can stay healthy, I think he'll have more of a, of a regular rotation. I think he'll get back to, to playing better, you know, than he has the last couple of years. And same thing with Vitek Vanacek. He doesn't have to really worry about necessarily being in a 1A, 1B spot. He has the open lane to be the starter here. Uh, so if he can take that and, and run with it, then we'll see where, where that goes. But this is a lot of inconsistency and a lot of question marks. Like I said, to expect a, a point increase of 29 and a half, I would look to play this under. It didn't make my card. It was really close to, to being a half-unit play, but uh, I definitely think they have another year where we see them kind of miss out on the playoffs. But they'll definitely be a, a good over team throughout the year, and they might be one of those sneaky teams late in the season once they're out of the playoff race that you might be able to get some good dog prices and they can find a way to beat, beat a team that's maybe not as interested as playing them 
uh, in you know late February or March. All right, New York Islanders, uh, very in, uh, bad off season in my opinion. And look, I'm a big fan of the career that Lou Lamorello's had as a GM, but this was not his finest work uh, here in the off season. I mean, firing Barry Trotz was uh, surprising. Uh, to say the least, uh, I couldn't believe it when it happened. Uh, they swung and missed on Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, they swung and missed on Nazem Kadri. Apparently, the Islanders were in on both of those prized free agents. Uh, they didn't get either one. They haven't necessarily improved this offense. They did sign up, sign up Barzell long term this week. But boy, I mean, Beauvillier. We know he's capable, but he's not consistent. Nelson, Lee, Parisi's best days behind him. Paul Mary kind of took a step back last year. Where's your fourth, third and fourth line offense going to be? Josh Bailey's production. Uh, everybody had their production essentially decline, you know, last year uh, for the most part on this uh, Islanders team. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to need Oliver Wallstrom, who I think is one of their younger uh, forwards that could step up give them some of that offensive punch they need, but he's a little bit injured uh, to start uh, here in uh, training camp. That's not good uh, for the uh, Islanders. So that's a concern. Uh, the defense last year, it's worth talking about them. We thought for years under Barry Trotz, what a great Islander blue line. But whenever you took Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick off that blue line, and suddenly they were nowhere close to as good. And we saw that on full display last year. So it's vital that they stay healthy. Uh, they've got Romanov. They get him from Montreal. He'll at least give them a little bit of a physical presence. And I do like Noah Dobson. He is the one guy that on that blue line, I'd have him on my team. He keeps getting better. Uh, Noah Dobson, great year last year. Probably can build on that. He's only 22. I like the goalies. I don't love them, but they're, they're, they're good enough. They're serviceable enough in uh, Sorokin and Varlamov. But to me, I don't know. With everybody in this division looking like they got a little more offense in them, I know to some extent, a lot of the Islanders' issues last year were injuries, a COVID outbreak during the season midway through, starting the year on the road for a month plus while they waited for the new arena to get built. All of that were anti-things for the Islanders that really derailed their season, and they won't have those this year. But at the same time, I wonder if this roster is good enough to uh, make that incremental improvement. What do you think? Yeah, you, that's the, the perfect point. You know, They had a lot of things going against them last year that – you know, if they didn't have to start 15 straight games on the road, they'd probably make the playoffs. Uh, and, and this is a team, keep in mind, too, before missing last year, we saw them play a lot of hockey, back-to-back, deep uh, conference finals runs, grueling overtime games. And this is the same, pretty much the same core. That I means they, they hardly changed anything from those last couple of years. Like you said, but we haven't seen the production increase. We've just seen them just kind of stay steady. They, they are mid. At best, this is a, the epitome of mid-range, this Islanders team in every level. Even the goaltending, like I said, Sorokin, he has some bright moments. Vas- uh, uh, Varlamov, he has some bright moments. And, you know, then they kind of fade out and they swap out for each other. But there's just nothing that says they're going to get over the hump against any of these other teams in the East, in, in the Metro. So uh, I would look for them to go under as well. And uh, this would be a team that, like I said, we'll be able to bet some overs with. Uh, maybe not so much relying on their offense. We never do. It's, you know, whether the defense and, and the goaltending can hold up. It's uh, definitely a wait and see when it comes to the Islanders for me. And, and until proven otherwise, I'm more anti-Islanders right now than pro-Islanders. New York Rangers, Alex, we talk about this team so much. I'm not going to go into too much detail. I already took them this year, Eastern Conference and Stanley Cup futures. 
I think they're going to be right there at the end. Uh, the the addition, believe it or not, of Vincent Trocheck's excellent because he fills the void left lost left by a cop going to Detroit. Perfect fit to get in that number two center spot. You've got obviously still Kreider's Abanajad, Panarin, uh, Alexi Lafreniere looks good in training camp, and so does Capo Caco. Look out, Capo Caco is lighting it up. And look at last night, the, the night he had for the Rangers. If they get him playing up to that first round talent potential, it's going to make the Rangers even more scary. Philip Heedle, a playoff breakout for him last year, a full season. Look out for him as well. I love them up front. Barkley Goodrow, Vitaly Kratsov. Watch out for him. He played in Russia last year. He's had some pro experience already. I think he'll be fit into the NHL, and it won't be a learning curve as much for him. The defense, Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, Keandre Miller, Braden Schneider, Jacob Truba, now the captain. Great blue line. You know, you do get concerned depth-wise if they suffer injuries, but that t- starting sixth on blue on the blue line is good for them. And, of course, an elite goalie in Chesterkin. Love the coach, Gerard Gallant. Wins everywhere he goes. So, yeah, we're high on the Rangers. Playoffs, yes. Uh, they're not, not, you're not going to lay the price. It's a big price, but they'll be obviously a playoff team. I think they can win the division. I think they will. I've got them to win the division, win the East, win the Cup. And over their point total, I was surprised it was as low as 99.5. Uh, what do you think, Alec? Yeah, this is definitely a Rangers team I'm high on as well. Uh, I said I said neck and neck with the division, so I didn't I didn't take that price. I think they're gonna be right there with Carolina. Would love to see these two teams play again in a, in a, in a playoff series. I think that would be a, a lot of fun as well, if, if possible. But I think the Rangers have what it takes. The biggest thing, of course, is going to be Shosturkin staying healthy. Uh, he's got an illness. He's day to day right now. We saw Yarrow Halak give us some soft goals last night against the the Bruins, and that was an exhibition where the Bruins were playing a lot of their top guys. And we've already talked about how they're going to struggle. You're not going to see the Bruins score five, six goals every night this year. They did it last night against Halak, and he looked pretty soft. So the drop off there from one to two is actually a little bit wider, despite getting rid of Georgiev, who had been you know a bit kind of uh, mid range here and there in his couple of years behind Shesterkin. So Igor is definitely the guy. He's going to have to carry them away, and he's going to have to be a true number one and, and shoulder the heavy load of games, regular season, and, of course, playoffs. But I think they have enough on offense, and I think that they can you know, stick around and, and finagle things long enough. And you mentioned uh, the, the kid from Russia, uh, Kratzov. If he can kind of you know emerge in the same way that Artemi Panarin did that first year with the Hawks, you know we've seen this from these guys from Russia where you know they've had the experience in the KHL, they come in and have these big you know uh, first years. Karol Kaprizov is another guy, Dominic Kubalik's another guy. Yep. So if he can be in that same vein where he can produce some offense, and then you stick around long enough, you're in the race. Obviously, they're definitely going to be in the playoff hunt come trade deadline time. If they can find a way to add a Patrick Kane to this lineup, they are definitely a a bright favorite to get there to win a Stanley Cup. So uh, this is definitely a Ranger team I'm high on. They're going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, we uh, we liked them last year, uh, and they obviously were way ahead of schedule with their progress as a team, and obviously we're very high on them again uh, this year to be right there. Ottawa Senators, uh, I like this team to be better. I caution you, though, we do have some concerns and some red flags to begin the year. Cam Talbot's injured. That's something you worry about. And I like Anton Forsberg, but I like him in small doses. I don't know if I like him playing every other night and being my number one guy until Talbot gets back. And this blue line, um, it's it, the jury is out. I like Shabbat, but Zub, Hamannick, who just can't stay on the ice. Sanderson's very young. Brandstrom hasn't progressed as much as we thought. And Nick Holden, Zaitsev, 
That's what you're looking at is your blue line for Ottawa. That's not a great blue line. That's not a great, we can keep the puck out of our net blue line right there for the most part. But up front, I mean, this team is just spectacular on paper. I mean, you can't ask for much more. Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, Alex Dabrinkit, Timmy Stutzla, Claude Giroux, of course, signing close to home uh, in the offseason. Shane Pinto, who is a great talent, is going to be on your third line start the year. And I love Tyler Mott bringing him in. Great two-way forward. Great little under-the-radar signing by Pierre Dorian. Uh, outstanding up front. The, the Ottawa Senators, but there are still some blue line concerns. And without Talbot, you're going to have to go with Anton Forsberg and Magnus Helberg to begin the year here for the uh, Senators. So just like we talked about with uh, Buffalo, Columbus, teams like that, some overs, bet some overs with Ottawa. They're going to score a lot of goals. They're going to give up a lot of goals, especially early in the season without Cam Talbot. I do think once they get the defense solidified and Talbot back, they're really going to take off. And I still think they could push for the playoffs. Still like their over point total, but more than anything, I like over their game total. And I want to mention the Jack Adams Award Coach of the Year award props you can bet. Look at maybe DJ Smith as a long shot. Look at for Ottawa. Look at Derek Lalonde, like I mentioned, for Detroit. You know, look at some of these long shots because when you're betting that prop, you want to bet some of these teams that have this massive improvement. Not so much the best team and the best coach, but the team, the coach that's going to be improving his team the most from last year to this year. Lalone's on that short list for me. DJ Smith's on that short list for me. And, and that's what I'm looking at when it comes to the Jack Adams Award Coach of the Year uh, award props uh, that you can bet and really get some good prices. Uh, with some of those coaches. Alex, what do you think here for Ottawa? Yeah, it, I'm glad you mentioned that because DJ Smith, I've actually found that between 14 and 1 and 18 to 1, that's something I'm actually going to end up uh, adding to my personal card for sure for Jack Adams. I think this is an Ottawa team that's going to do very well. Of course, like I said, the big blow is losing Cam Talbot. And, and I said that in my write up. I, this was the first point total I bet at 86 and a half points. Uh, I bet them also to make the playoffs at plus 210. Early in the summer, I think that's come down now. I think it's plus 175, plus 180. But uh, I like this Ottawa team. The top six is absolutely tremendous. Alex DeBrinkett going into this uh, offense. Claude Giroux coming back home, you know, wrapping up the, the end of his career to add with these young guys. They have a great mix of, of veteran and young talent. Uh, the blue line's a bit shaky. Like you said, there's definitely going to be a team to bet overs with. But if they can find a way, even, you know, all right, let's say Talbot comes back, but he's not solid. Can they find a way to make a deal and get a big-time goalie in here? Can they, you know, they're going to be a bit up against it with the cap, but if they can find a way, maybe we talked about Bobrovsky struggling. If Bobrovsky doesn't necessarily just fall off the face of the earth, but he doesn't, you know, keep his number one job. Can Ottawa swing a trade late in the year to make a push to get Bobrovsky to push them into the playoffs? I think that, you know, they have that kind of wiggle room for certain things. So I think they're a team that they'll do well enough to put themselves in a position to maybe even get better and stronger going into the postseason run by trade deadline time. So I think they're worth a shot still betting over the total playoff prop. If you could find it, like I said, anywhere higher than, than plus 180 at this point, uh, I still would look to take a shot with that too. But obviously you want this team to have Cam Talbot or some more sturdiness and goalie because Forsberg and Helberg will not be the answer all season long. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's going to be the key. How long are they without Cam Talbot, and when will he be back? But they're going to be able to score goals, make no mistake about it. Philadelphia Flyers, I don't know what they're going to be able to do, uh, but nevertheless, uh, 61 points for them uh, last year. And you look at this year with their point total, and look, I still had to bet Philadelphia under their point total, but 
73 and a half is where they were slotted. I just don't see uh, how this team is going to be 13 points better or 11 points better uh, than they were last year. Uh, I just flat or th- yeah, 13 points better. They were 61. Their point total 73 and a half. 13 points better. This group, not a chance in my opinion. So I still like them under 73 and a half points. Uh, Look, here's the issue. Up front, where's the goals going to come from? We've talked about all these teams that are going to be able to score. I don't know about this Philly team, uh, Alex. Uh, you look at JVR, is he still a number one line type of player at this stage? Konechny comes and goes offensively. Uh, they might start the year with Morgan Frost, believe it or not, who's not proved a thing yet at the NHL level as their number one center because Sean Couturier is going to miss time at the beginning of the season, which is the worst thing that could you could ask for. He's one of their best players all around. Uh, and to be without him to start the year, you look at the third and the fourth line, Wade Allison, Noah Cates, Patrick Brown, Farabee. I like Owen Tippett. I, I do like his game, but that's a thin forward group. You know, one first line through fourth line on paper. The blue line looks like it's got its share of issues. Ivan Provorov has to bounce back after a down year last year. If he doesn't, wow, this blue line could be really poor. Because D'Angelo, I don't know if that, D'Angelo's personality with Tort's personality, how's that going to go over uh, in Philadelphia? What if Tort's gets on him for lack of defensive awareness, which sometimes he has, D'Angelo? You think D'Angelo's going to take to that with his kind of problem child personality types? Now, he was better behaved in Carolina, but you go from a great Carolina team, uh, Brindamore, to this team, and a team that's probably not going to have a great year you could see him getting cantankerous d'angelo and vice versa with torts sandheim on the blue lines okay not great ristolainen's been a bust what a terrible contract that was for chuck fletcher that guy spends more time during games in the penalty box than he does on the ice uh, it's just not been good kevin Connaughton, we talked about well, here he is he might actually be starting the team with on the team on the blue line this year kevin Connaughton, journeyman defenseman been with eight teams the last four years uh, Justin Braun, Nick Sealer, just depth defenseman, and poor Ryan Ellis. His career might be over. Just terrible news, and it's absolutely a shame. He was uh, a really great player for years, especially in Nashville, and to think he may not play again, what a shame that is if that's the case. Uh, Carter Hart in net, but again, he might have a weak blue line behind him. They really like Samuel Urson, who's played well in training camp for the Flyers, but he's uh, a project in terms of their goaltending down the road. Um, I like them under their point total. And even more than that, I'm taking it a step further. I could have gotten earlier in the summer, plus 1,500, 15 to 1, Philadelphia worst regular season record uh, in the NHL. It's been bet down to 11 to 1 in a lot of spots. I still like it at that price. I think there's a very real uh, uh, potential for the Philadelphia Flyers to be the worst team in the NHL this season. And at 11 to 1 odds, I like that price for them to be the basement dwellers uh, in the NHL. What do you think of Philly, Alex? Yeah, I think they'll be the worst in the East. I mean, they got a lot to compete with in, in that West with Chicago and Arizona, how bad they're going to be. But they're definitely going to be a rough team. And if you told me, you know, at the, the end of last season that this team's going to get rid of Mike Yo as a coach and Martin Jones as a goalie, I would automatically say, well, they're getting a lot better. But then they didn't add anything else. They went and got John Tortorella. Like you talked about, his personality can, you know, rub it off one way or the other with some guys. You get Tony D'Angelo, another, you know, uh, character that maybe, you know, could disrupt things in the locker room. And you don't have much offense. We still don't know, you know, the question of if, is Carter Hart going to be an elite goalie yet? Uh, and he's often injured. In fact, he's banged up right now. Felix Sandstrom is the third string goalie. He's banged up right now. So it's Troy Grosnick and 
pretty much you don't know who who else could be the backup for opening night if if Hart isn't ready. So uh, there's a lot of question marks and issues, and, and and I don't see anything really truly positive sticking out right now for the Flyers. I think they got to really go into a kind of a deep rebuild, which how many times over the last two decades have we said the Flyers need to rebuild? Uh, it, it's getting old and stale, and I'm sure the fans aren't happy about it one bit. This is going to be a rough year for the Orange and Black. Yeah, it's going to be tough times for sure. And look, the one hesitation, I guess you could say, is that usually when John Tortorella takes over a team, there's an initial improvement right away, and he gets yeah. the team better. I just don't know if he's got the roster or the horses. If you don't have the horses in the stable, you know, I don't care what your track record is, is immediate improvement as a head coach with your new team. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the horses to run with, you know, you're yeah. not going to have an improvement. And I don't think you will with Philadelphia. He had better rosters in Columbus, better rosters in New York. You know, when he took over those teams, doesn't have that here uh, in Philadelphia. Not even close. All right. Pittsburgh Penguins uh, next up here. Um, Pittsburgh's one of those teams. Again, it could be a lot of if this team, let's say the ceiling. Let's take the ceiling perspective. They reach their ceiling. They stay healthy. We get lots of games out of Crosby, Malkin, Latang. A lot of the older players. This could still very well be a playoff team. And hell, if they get in the playoffs, could could make some noise. It could happen. But I think that's asking a lot with with this group. When have we, even Crosby's been bitten by the injuries the last couple of years? And Malkin, we forget him playing eighty two games. I'd be shocked, shocked, shocked totally if he plays eighty two. You could say the same thing about Latang this year. You know, thank goodness for Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel might be a dark horse too for that lead goal scorer because I think he could have a tear. He showed he could score without Crosby last year for much of the season. So Jake Gensel's, you know, Ricard Raquel played pretty well after they got him from Anaheim. You've got Rust. You've got Zucker, uh, of course. Uh, hopefully Jeff Carter doesn't take too much of a step back. He is getting older. You need Kasperi Kapanen to wake up because this guy should be more of an impact offensively than he's been, and he's going to have to be this year for this Pittsburgh Penguins team, in my opinion. You know, the blue line, like I said, I don't love the losing Matheson and you replace him with Petrie. I think that's a downgrade. Pedersen, Ty Smith, they hope he can fit a change of scenery helps him. I do like them getting Jan Ruda from Tampa. That guy's a heart and soul player, shot block, limping off the ice in the playoffs last year, and he comes back the next shift. Uh, those are guys you win with. I like that addition. Dumoulin's still a good defenseman when he's on the ice. Tristan Jari for the uh, Penguins in net, a solid, uh, a pretty solid year overall last year. He had his bumps in the road, but, you know, capable goalie. This is a hard team for me to handicap because I think their ceiling is playoffs and maybe even win around. But their floor is it could completely fall off the rails. And if Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and multiple of those three miss time, playoffs are going to be a hard time. There'll be there'll be Jim Morris, Mark Mike Sullivan will be Jim Morris Senior. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? If he's got all these guys hurt again this year, so I think it go in a bunch of different ways with Pittsburgh. No preseason futures for me with the Pittsburgh Penguins on or against. Uh, what do you think, Alex? Yeah, you know, I, I'm tired of, of of trying to predict the Penguins' eventual demise, and they, they proved me wrong. However, with this year, you say, I think the, the injuries that could really kind of hold them back and cripple them would be Gensel, Rust, and Jari. Because you have to rely on, at this point, a penguin season where you're going to miss Evgeny Malkin, you're going to miss Crystal Tang, and you're going to miss Sidney Crosby. It's happened every year for the last several years. And Latang's deal, re-signing for as long as he did, is 
arguably the most mind-boggling contract in sports right now. I don't even remotely understand. Does anyone think he's going to play into his 40s with the fact that he's only played 45 to 55 games a year in the last, like, four or five years? I don't I don't understand it. it, it and you don't no think he's going to have more tax on the body and more injuries in the next six right. years with a track record of it and the last you know, You'd literally have to move this guy up to be a fourth-line or third-line forward to keep him healthy enough to try to play into his 40s, in my opinion. I just don't see it. And this is a, a Penguins team, like I said, they don't have the depth that they had 10 years ago. We're seeing those depth players that we rely on to say, oh, Pittsburgh's going to be good because even if they do miss Crosby or, or Malkin, then here comes, you know, Rust out of nowhere. Here comes Gensel. Here comes all these. Well, now these guys are here. They're the key guys. There's no one behind them anymore in, in, in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. So this is a Penguins team. If the injury bug nips them uh, pretty hard, they could be in some serious trouble and miss the playoffs. If they stay healthy, I think they still float around and possibly be a wild card team. But, you know, don't let someone get hot. And I said the Atlantic division, Detroit or Ottawa could come sneak up right behind them and keep Pittsburgh out of that wild card race, even if they have a, a decent season. Yeah, I mean, a lot of question marks there. Like I say, a wide range of possibilities, but I'm, I'm pessimistic personally. Same with this team. I'm very pessimistic about the San Jose Sharks. And the reason for that is, look, San Jose, we know on paper, there's no team worse in the Pacific Division at the very least than San Jose. I mean, you look at who are they going to get offense from outside of Meyer and Hurdle and Couture. LeBanc can sometimes chip in, but Luke Cunning is going to be asked to play a top-line role. I don't know if that's a good fit. You know, you got Gregor, Benino, Nieto, Gadjevich, Lorenz, and Evgeny Svechnikov rounding out a forward group that, look, uh, offense is going to be hard to come by outside of, you know, a couple of players, three or four in the top six, and that's about it. You know, the defense, Carlson, Vlasic has definitely saw a little bit of a drop in his defensive play, and he's been a great, great defensive-minded defenseman for years, but even he dropped off a little bit last year. Matt Benning, Radim Simek, Magna, I mean, these are just depth defensemen. And then you've got three guys as your goaltenders, and none of them are number one caliber right now, in my opinion. James Reimer, Capo Kakinen, and oh, our old friend Farmer in the Dell found a landing spot once again. Uh, Aaron Dell with the uh, San Jose Sharks. I mean, the, and the problem for San Jose is not only are they the worst team on paper roster-wise in this division, but it's because everybody else is either as good or better this year in that division. Edmonton, Calgary, uh, L.A., Vancouver will get to them. Anaheim, I think, is going to be a lot better. We talked about yeah. them. Where does that leave San Jose? Seattle's going to be better. Where does that leave San Jose? Unfortunately, last place in the division, in my opinion. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. They're going to be at, at the bottom. Like I said, they don't have much to, to write home about offensively or defensively. And then you look at the goal team. I think Capo Kakinen, I think he still has – a high ceiling. I, I'm not writing him off just yet. I think he'll be the guy who eventually emerges with this team as their number one goalie. James Reimer comes back to San Jose. His best days are past him. Of course, Aaron Dell, he comes back to San Jose. And, you know, whether he's a shark or a barracuda in the NHL, you know, follow me at AX Smith Sports on Twitter. We'll be sounding the uh, the old garbage can and in, in the, in the siren whenever he's in net. We're looking for those overs with uh, with old Mr. Dell. So, uh, the Sharks, they're gonna they're gonna struggle. Like you said, there's teams in, in Pacific that are way better. Uh, even the the Anaheims and, and Vancouver's, they'll be able to, to battle with them. Hell, even Seattle, we'll talk about them in, in just a moment with their defense. I think they might be getting something, get around to something. So San Jose, definitely the last place team in the Pacific. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, last place team in the uh, Pacific for sure. Uh, tough season on tap for uh, and tough. Uh, David Quinn as well taken over as the new head coach in uh, San Jose. Uh, tough sledding for him in his uh, second tour of duty now as head coach in the NHL was with the Rangers, of course, years ago. A uh, Seattle Kraken. Um, look, Seattle played like an expansion team last year, even though Vegas did not. They did. 
they will be better. How much better is the question, but I really think there's potential up front because you're going to have Matty Beneers, you're going to have Shane Wright, you're going to have Yanni Gord, you're going to have a potentially strong, and again, success with a team, a lot of it times starts with strength and depth down the middle at the center ice position. You might have that with Seattle. You bring in some offense with Andre Burakovsky from Colorado, Oliver Bjorkstrand uh, from Columbus, a team that struggled to score goals a lot last year. Uh, that is going to help uh, this Seattle uh, Kraken team. Let me see where Seattle was in scoring. Yeah, fourth worst, 2.6 goals per game. I think offensively they'll be a little bit better this year, uh, the Seattle Kraken. The blue line, you know, when they started to suffer injuries, uh, you saw the problems with that. When they're fully healthy, it's not bad. It's not as good as uh, obviously a lot of the other teams in their own division, but Dunn, Oleksiak, Adam Larson, Justin Schultz, you know, that's not bad for a top four when they're healthy, but if you suffer injuries, you do get a little bit concerned. I think he's only, he could only be better than he was last year, Philip Grubauer uh, in net for uh, Seattle. Uh, obviously going from Colorado to Seattle and his first year uh, with the Kraken last year, he struggled mightily. Uh, but I think he'll be a little bit better. Uh, they're not going to be ready for the playoffs yet, Seattle, but they will be, I think, an improved hockey team. There's going to be some good spots to back them. I think a little over team as well this year, more often. It's kind of like L.A. I do think the offense with Bjorkstrand and Burakovsky is a little bit better, but defensively they could still give up some goals, so you might see some overs uh, a few bit more with the Seattle Kraken. And a thing that we get excited about, one of the best TV broadcast booths going in the NHL this season. I mean, John Forslund and Eddie O is as good as it gets. Oh, Those two people are phenomenal at their jobs. John's an incredible play-by-play -play guy. Hey, hey, what do you say? That's hockey, baby. We all know those great slogans of his. Uh, they're off and running. And then Eddie O is probably the best analyst in NHL hockey and has been for years. So that booth is outstanding, and uh, they'll be a joy to listen to and watch uh, this season. Uh, how about on the ice, uh, Alex, with Seattle? Yeah, you know, it's funny. 30 years ago, the big movie was Sleepless in Seattle. Of course, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. But I think this year it's going to be Sleepy in Seattle. I like this team to play some unders. I think they're built for what they were trying to do last year. Everybody looked at the expansion draft and said, well, this team doesn't really look like they're going to build the score. They're going to try and play defense and slow things down. And that's what they've done so far in the preseason. Uh, they've had, you know, three or four shutout games. Three, you know, I think most of the games they've had helped opponents to two goals or fewer, three goals or fewer. This is definitely a team I think that's built to play low and slow hockey, which is great for them being on the West Coast. We got to stay up late anyway, so help us kind of kind of tune in a little bit at, at night watching this team play a little bit more sound defensively. I think the offensive chances will come. They are better built in the top six department, but I think their goal will be to kind of shut teams down. They can't compete with the firepower of Edmonton, Calgary's. Uh, Minnesota and Colorado's award. They're going to have to to beat you up and play low and slow hockey to win games. So I think we're going to see that, and I think they will be improved a little bit more as a result of that. That uh, I agree with that uh, for sure in terms of they'll be better. Uh, I I just think that they're going to have a little more offensive potency. But again, it could be canceled out this over theory of mine if Grubauer really has a good year and a bounce back year because we we think there's a better goalie in him than he showed. Yeah. last year he may not be as good as he was in Colorado but he won't isn't as bad I don't think as he was last year uh, in Seattle so we'll see what comes of that an improvement in the in between the pipes for him all right St. Louis Blues uh St. Louis to me you know you look at this group uh, mostly you know pa Pavel Buchnevich, Robert Thomas Vladimir Tarasenko Brandon Saad Ryan O'Reilly Jordan Cairo Braden Shamine. I mean, they've got a really good forward group and kind of like last year we saw a changing of the guard Alex with the Blues, 
They went from a defensive-minded, lower-scoring team. They had to score goals, and they got into a few more higher-scoring games last year. Will it be the same this year is going to end up being the uh, question mark for the uh, Blues uh, coming into the year? Because I think they'll be able to score goals. You look at the blue line. Uh, Scott Perunovic, very unfortunate, out for most of the year now, uh, suffered an injury in training camp, and he was expected to take on a bigger role with this blue line. So it's going to be a lot now on the shoulders of Krug, Falk, Letty, Pareko, uh, Bortuzzo. You know what the common thread, though, Alex, with all those guys is? They're not getting younger. They're all in their 30s now. So how good's the blue line going to be? That's a question. Bennington got his game back down the stretch last year, regular season playoffs. He was very good. He was excellent against Colorado before he got hurt uh, in that series. That was a good sign for St. Louis. DraftKings has them 40-1. to 1 to win the Stanley cup. I think that's, uh, they, they shouldn't be that high. You know, St. Louis isn't going to fall off that much. I had to take a little swipe at that 40 to one. There's some books that have them 22 to one to win the Stanley cup. That's more in line with probably where they should be. 40 to one just seemed a little bit, you know, there's a little too much value with that. The blues are going to have the offense uh, coming into this year. Uh, so it's an interesting team. I think they're a playoff team once again, uh, this year, the St. Louis Blues, especially when, you know, we'll have to see what comes of Minnesota, some of the other teams in that central division, Dallas, Nashville. I, because of question marks with them, I certainly still think St. Louis is a playoff team. Look, do I think they're winning the cup? No, but at 40 to 1, I just felt at that price, I had to put a little something on it. What do you think here for St. Louis? I think you might have actually been able to get even more value with that a little bit later on because I don't see this team as a playoff team at all, to be honest. Uh, I think this team's wow. going to really kind of fall off a little bit. And like you said, they're getting older. I think the books have kind of, you know, maybe looked a little bit too much at the fact that, oh, Bennington, you know, like I said, he, he did look great in the playoffs. He got his yeah. game back together when he need, when they need to the most. But in saying that, this guy's been wholly inconsistent the last two two seasons, and I don't think he's going to just start off hot again like he did at the end of that series before he got hurt. Then to back him up is Thomas Grice, a guy who I think is pretty much done at, at this point. He's certainly a career backup moving uh, ahead for the rest of his career. You can't rely on him to give you 20, 25 starts. So are you now going to rely on Bennington to give you 55, 60 starts after we saw Billy Huso basically be the, the reason why his team even made the postseason last year? I see a big drop off for St. Louis. They won't be one of the the worst teams in Central, obviously, but I think they definitely easily miss the playoffs. And if they try to start getting in the firefights with some of these higher power offenses in the Western Conference, they're going to pay for it dearly because they cannot keep up with the pace of, of a Colorado, a Edmonton, a Calgary, even a, a Minnesota. I think this year, I think those teams have improved more with St. Louis. I think has gotten a few steps slower and older. All right, like in St. And this is another one where St. Louis, there's going to be wide ranging opinions. See, I don't think they're ready to fall off that much, but there's also a case that can be made they could, you know, especially if Bennington doesn't bring that playoff performance uh, from last year with him in the regular season. Tampa Bay Lightning. Look, Tampa Bay is not going to miss the playoffs. They're certainly still going to be a playoff team, but I think this is a pace yourself regular season, three straight years to the Stanley Cup final. You know, they do have to replace Andre Palat, who is outstanding for them in the playoffs. You know, you still have Stamkos, Kucherov, Braden Point. But all of a sudden now you're going to be integrating Nemesnikov in the top six. Alex Kalorn's offensive game kind of declined. They didn't get what they thought they would from Hagel consistently uh, offensively. There's some more question marks about the offense a little bit for Tampa. Now, they did bring back Paul and Colt Paul especially, which was big. Still have Perry. Uh, and Ross Colton, who had a nice season last year for Tampa, they'll be able to chip in offensively, but it's going to be way more by committee uh, this year, the uh, Lightning. On the blue line, Victor Hedman, Sergachev, Eric Chernak, 
But, you know, you lose Jan Ruda, you lose Ryan McDonough, two very good defensive-minded pieces of these playoff runs the last couple of years. You're going to need to see more from Cal Foot. Can he handle the increased workload in minutes? Ian Cole brought in as a veteran. And Philippe Myers, who's going to be asked to do more as well for this team. So the blue line may be not quite as balanced or depth-laden as they were last year. You still have, obviously, one of the best goalies going. Andre Vasilevsky goes without saying. But I'm picking my spots to fade Tampa Bay uh, this year, especially early on. Obviously, they're not going to fall off to the point where they're uh, not going to be the uh, playoff team. They will be. I don't even think they care about winning the division. I don't think they care in the least about winning the Atlantic division. Just like last year, it's just let's get through the regular season. Let's just get as many wins as we need to get in the playoffs, and then we'll flip the switch. And that's what we saw from Tampa. They flipped the switch at playoff time and still got to the Stanley Cup final. That's their MO. That's their mantra. So as a regular season bet on team, not for me, and especially at the prices you're going to be asked to command to back the Lightning. What do you think, Alex? I think I know that's the plan, and I think that plan will slightly backfire to the point where they will make the playoffs, but I don't think they run out of steam once they get into the playoffs this year. Uh, like I said, as much as I backed them the last two, three years, uh, I'll probably be looking to fade them in that first round, whoever they play. Uh, I, I just think they've, they've built up so much over the last three seasons four, five seasons, really. You, you can even go all the way back at this point with some of these guys back to that 2015 Cup run they had and lost there. It's a lot of, of pressure-filled hockey, a lot of injuries these guys have overcome throughout the years as well. I could just see things just kind of starting off slow, and they end up getting some momentum. And I think, you know, they will be able to pace themselves enough in that second half to get through and make the playoffs. But once they get there, I think it kind of falls apart. So no future looks for them. Pick your spots. Like I said, I'll be fading them more, especially because the books are definitely going to uh, still over-adjust and still make them as $1.70, $1.80 favorites where they probably should only be in the pick range. So we'll definitely get some value going against Tampa Bay throughout the year. Yeah, and Nick Paul, for as good as he was last year, and I'm glad they re-signed him. It's smart, I think, by Julian Breezebois to bring him back. Keep in mind, a lot of his success was in the playoffs. Is he going to be able to bring that same kind of success production throughout an 82-game regular season. That will be something that will be uh, worth watching uh, as well. All right, we're down to our last five teams. What a show it's been getting through uh, the entire NHL. All 32 teams here getting you ready for the season with opinions on each and every one. And here we go again. Toronto Maple Leafs, as we enter yet another season, wondering if they can win a playoff series. Hard to believe that we're here again with this team, but here we are. We know we don't have many things to worry about with their forward group. You know, Matthews, Marner, uh, Kerfoot, uh, you know, William Nylander, uh, Michael Bunting. Uh, they're still going to be very good up front. Tavares is going to miss the first couple weeks of the season, but they'll get him back. Nick Robertson, the younger brother of Jason, of course, who plays with Dallas. Uh, he has been terrific in camp. I think he's going to make the Leaf team finally playing up with that offensive potential that they thought he would have. Dennis Mulgan has really stepped up in preseason too and given them some offense. They have uh, Zach Aston, Reese, David Camp, Obey Kubel from the uh, Stanley Cup champ Colorado Avalanche to give them some cup-winning experience. They are very, very uh, depth-laden up front. The blue line, I think, is better. Morgan Riley with TJ Brody, Muzzin, if he stays healthy, Hall. I think the fact that they've got Mark Giordano there for a full season is going to make them better and wait till they get Lilligren back. I think the blue line is actually one of, are they a great like top tier blue line? No, but they're still one of the better blue lines Toronto 
has had to begin a season in years. But it comes down to the Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov combination. This is a roll of the dice of the utmost. This is a roll of the dice to the tits by Kyle Dubas. No question about it. To go with these two goalies. Now, if you gave grades on their performance in training camp and preseason, you'd give them both A+. Murray and Samsonov, they both looked great here in the month of September and early October. But we got to see it in the games that count. We've got to see it against the best you know, forwards and best uh, rosters and lineups that the other teams put out there. And we got to see it in the playoffs. We got to see everything from Toronto in the playoffs. Now, the one thing I will say about Toronto, give them a little break. You can't compare the way they went out against Montreal to the way they went out against Tampa last year. Montreal was their tail between their legs. It was a disgrace. They coughed up a 3-1 series lead. The game seven, they put up no fight. They were never in that game, and they lost to a Montreal team everybody thought they would beat easily. Last year against Tampa Bay, they gave it their all. They were right there, toe-to-toe with the Lightning. Seven games, they lose 2-1 to at home, and it was that close. The margin was razor thin between the Lightning and the Leafs. But at the end of the day, it's another first-round exit. And they've got to show they can overcome that. So, yeah, hell no to me betting any futures with the Leafs until I see something in the first round. I, I didn't bet anything Toronto futures-wise, point totals or anything in terms of Cupper conference futures or division futures. Alex, what do you think of the Leafs? You know, I don't drop a lot of bombs too often, but I, I'm going to drop this one. I think this is the last year we see Austin Matthews in a Maple Leafs jersey. Wow! I not even I, ride out the two years left. Not even ride deal. out the two years left. I think, I think, I think this season will be the one that drives him out of Toronto. He's going to say, "I want out. I want no part of this any longer." We're going to see them do the same thing we did the last several regular seasons. They have this great offense. They score a ton of goals. Their blue line is going to be shaky at times, and I think the goaltending is just as bad as it was the last few years. Matt Murray's not the answer. We saw him fall off of basically Mount Everest uh, compared to where he was from Pittsburgh to Ottawa and now bouncing back. Samsonov, I think, will be a little bit better. I think he ends up winning the the number one spot at in some point in time, but I don't think it's going to be enough. We see them just kind of get back into the playoffs as either the third team in the Atlantic or a wild card spot, and they get bounced out of the first round just like usual. And I think Austin Matthews gets sick and tired of it and says he wants to be done. So that's what I'm expecting from the Leafs this year. Same old, same old, but it's going to be a big change at the end of the year. There you go, and a big change. So Austin Matthews say I'm done with this. So, do you think they make the make the playoffs, or is it just going to be playoffs? They, they, they make the playoffs, but it's another first round exit. They lose, they lose six or seven games. Yeah. All right, Vancouver Canucks. See, Vancouver to me is in a just situationally they're in a good spot to begin the year because they've got Bruce Boudreaux there for a full season, a full training camp. It's going to help this team. Don't love it that I see Ilya Mikheyev and Brock Besser injured in training camp, but Mikheyev could still play opening night. It's not serious with him. Besser will miss the first three weeks, but I love the group up front. Again, this is another one of those teams where, you know, up front, I don't have issues with Vancouver. JT Miller re-signed, which was huge for them. Uh, you've got Niels Hoaglander ready to, I think, have a big season after showing signs last year. Uh, Connor Garland back. Elias Pettersson got his game back under Bruce Boudreaux, started playing better. This Andre Kuzmenko looks terrific. And you talked about those guys that were overseas and they're ready to play at the NHL level immediately. And here's Kuzmenko from the KHL where he had 20 goals and 53 points for St. Petersburg last year. And he's looking ready for the NHL if training camp is any indication. So keep an eye on Andre Kuzmenko. You want 
player props I'm going to be looking at for Vancouver games early in the year. Andre Kuzmenko, folks, you don't have to wait till next Wednesday when they open the season to figure that one out. Uh, we'll be looking at Andre Kuzmenko props. Uh, Pod Colson, Horvat, uh, Mikheyev, a great addition from the Leafs. They still got Tanner Pearson as well. I mean, they're going to have some offense up front. The blue line is the big question mark. Tyler Myers has been around a long time now. Can he keep playing at a solid level? Pullman's got to be better than he was last year. Dermott, you know, can he step up? Luke Shen is just, you know, middling at this point of his career. Ekman Larson, uh, you know, kind of took a step back at times last year. Quinn Hughes improved his defensive game, but he's going to have to keep improving that. We know he's got the skating, the shot, the passing, the power play, the offensive abilities from the back end. Quinn Hughes keep working on that defensive game. And they do have a great goalie in Demko. When Thatcher Demko's healthy, absolutely uh, a very good goalie. I like Vancouver. I'm, st- I'm still more bullish on them than not. Keep an eye on that blue line. It's going to have to hold up if the Canucks are going to really make big-time inroads this year. But I do think they can contend for the playoffs. I do like them over their point total. A full year of Bruce. And I don't mind Bruce Boudreaux. Someone mentioned it in the chat, Alex, the Jack Adams Award prop You know, at a, at a decent price. Bruce Boudreaux never has issues in the regular season. Yeah. You know, it's after that when yeah. his problems are. And the, the the coach of the year is based on regular season performance. And so for that reason, and I think they will be better, you know, I don't mind looking at a, a coach of the year, Jack Adams award prop on Bruce Boudreaux, who is 20 to one uh, right now in and around that range. I don't mind that. You know, there are other coaches I think have more value uh, than, than Boudreaux and uh, uh, as good or a better chance. Like I said, yeah. like a Smith or a Lalonde or someone like that, maybe even a McClellan for L.A., maybe even a Woodcroft for Edmonton uh, if they have a blistering season. But Bruce at 20 to one, I don't mind it. Uh, Alex, what do you think of the Canucks? Yeah. The only thing that would stop me from that is, is for him to win that I would think it would take Vancouver would have to, they'd have to win the division. In my opinion, I think getting, being a playoff team won't be enough. Like you said, especially with, with Woodcroft, if he can do big things in this first year, and I think they win that division, actually, I think that will be kind of keep him uh, at bay from being in that spot. But I, I do understand the value and the price of that. Uh, you know, being worth a look. But this Vancouver team, I, I just feel like they might, you know, be able to keep some of the energy they got from Boudreaux. Remember, when Boudreaux came in, they, they were, I mean, white hot. And that's when they were kind of riding things. But then they kind of faded in and settled down. They just weren't that good of a team. I think they're a better team overall, and they play a little bit better. But I just think, you know, we might see a bit more streakiness. We, I think we'll see some of the streakiness we saw when Boudreaux was with uh, Minnesota. You know, you saw them go have one big run of nine, ten wins in a row. Then all of a sudden, next next thing they're playing, you know, ten and ten the next twenty, or or, or you know, five and fifteen the next twenty. So I, we're going to see a lot of peaks and valleys with Vancouver. I think that's what kind of keeps them in the mix for a wild card. But even if they were to go to the playoffs, they're not going to do much because that's especially where Boudreaux tends to fall off is once the it hits postseason time. So Vancouver will be an interesting team. I probably won't be betting on or against them too much, at least sidewise. Uh, in totals, might lean toward the under, like I said, with Demko playing well, but they do have some great offensive talent. Just hope that Pedersen can stay uh, hot and and not be as streaky as he's been in his career. He's a guy who I thought was going to be a superstar in this league by now, and he's been a, a bit of a disappointment. All right, the very polarizing Vegas Golden Knights, and this is a team that I've heard so many differing thought processes and opinions on coming into this season. I think it comes down to what you think of Jack Eichel because he's going to have to be a horse. He's going to have to be a the superstar that we think he could be. 
for Vegas to realize their full potential this year. And look, I think it was unreasonable, even though I didn't think he played great to expect him to be great right away with Vegas, just coming to a new team. He had no training camp. He's coming off a serious neck surgery. You know, all of that probably precluded him from playing well, but now you're going to see him for a full training camp, full season. The problem is, you know, he had to get rid of Max Pacioretty and get nothing in return. Uh, just terrible cap mismanagement by Kelly McCrimmon in the front office of the Golden Knights. Just absolutely terrible. And by the way, when you see in the trade, Max Pacioretty going to Carolina for future considerations, that means jack shit. That means nothing. You're not getting anything in return. Uh, so it's just unbelievable that happened. Uh, Phil Kessel is somehow maybe going to be on a top line. Maybe 10 years ago, that's a good thing. I don't know if it's a good thing in 2022. Phil Kessel may be on a top line with Eichel and Riley Smith. Marcia So and Carlson and Stone have to be big-time offensive uh, difference makers, and Stone's offense was not the same when he came back from his injury last year. Stevenson, Nick, Nicholas Waugh, Keegan Colasar, and then you know where's your offense going to come from from the bottom six? It's concerning a little bit. The blue line I still like when they're all healthy. That's still pretty good. It's definitely an above-average blue line when they're healthy with Petrangelo, Theodore, Haig, McNabb, Martinez, White Cloud, no question. Logan Thompson, how good is he? He better be good because Robin Leonard's not coming back anytime soon. Aiden Hill's not looking good uh, here in training camp. He's had some tough games. And Michael Hutchinson ain't it. So it's got to be Logan Thompson. And the doors, the, I think there's potential for him to be good. He had some glimpses last year for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, but is he ready to be that bona fide NHL number one goalie? We won't know until we see some of it this year. So I like Cassidy. I think he's going to make them a better defensive team. Cassidy teams in Boston, Alex, Bruce Cassidy, consistently were one of the top defensive teams in the NHL. He will help Vegas at that end of the ice for sure. This could be an under team. You know, I, I think offensively it could be pedestrian for them. And I think their defense is going to be better. And if Logan Thompson's even the least bit capable, could be seeing some more 2-1-3-2 hockey in the uh, futures for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights this year in terms of game-to-game. So, But in terms of their point total, I lean under, but I respect Cassidy enough that I'm not going to bet it. I am pessimistic, though, you know, because I worry about their depth in offense. I worry about the goaltending a little bit uh, with the group. And I worry about whether Eichel can be that superstar they need him to be. I mean, we need to see it. So what do you think, Alex? Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I went under 97.5, and, and I took a shot at plus 250 with the no for the playoffs. Uh, the goaltending is just just highly questionable. I do think Logan Thompson is the future. I've watched him play up close, and I've you know seen some of his uh, his tape. He looks good. I think he could be a future number one, but I think he's not ready just yet. I think he he could have uh, definitely benefited from having a full year of number two behind Robin Leonard, but Leonard's out pretty much for the year. Uh, Baswa is out long term. Like I said, you know Aiden Hill and, and Michael Hutchinson, you aren't getting anywhere with those two guys in net. Uh, and like I said, we talked about how tough all these other teams are in the Pacific. I think Vegas finds themselves out of the playoffs. And I think we're going to see some really rough road ahead for Vegas because look at this two years in a row now. You traded Mark Andre Florida to Chicago for an ECHL player who didn't even go to your organization, and now the guy is out of hockey. And now you trade Max Pacioretty for future considerations, which could possibly be literally nothing, uh, you know, looking forward. Just some depth player or some kind of a prospect or draft pick to get back. A lot of free agents, you know, you, you're selling a Las Vegas, of course, to try to get free agents in. But as far as organizationally, 
they haven't really made the the, the best look in, around the league as far as how they're treating some of their star players. So, yeah, you can sell all the glitz and glamour of being Vegas all you want, but, hell, if you play with any of the other 31 teams, you're still going to get to go to Vegas at least once. So uh, I don't know if they're going to have a, you know as easy of a time getting guys to play in Vegas moving forward the way that they've treated some of these stars. Uh, so I think we could see some rough times for Vegas, not just this year, but moving forward. I think there's definitely truth to that and that, you know, the, the luster of playing in Vegas now, you know, every road team's gone there now, you know, every regular season. So even that, you know, wooing them to Las Vegas is going to be a little bit tougher uh, moving forward. So, yeah, I'm, I am more pessimistic than optimistic when it comes to Vegas. Yeah, me too. But the only and the only reason I stayed off the under is because I think of Bruce that much and he's a good coach and maybe he can get yeah. the most out of them. But there's there's a lot yeah. of things that are going to have to go right. If there was a prop for first GM fired, I would I would love to bet McCrimmon. Yeah, so he almost I mean, should be I mean, already I mean, fired. Kim, Kim or Fletcher would have to be the co-favorites. I would I would bet I would bet McCrimmon even over Fletcher. So, yeah, yeah, good candidates, both of them, no question. <laughs> All right, Washington Capitals. Uh, here's another pessimistic team for me. I, I did take them under their point total here. Uh, I, I see a team that every year seems to get just a little bit worse. And when you look at this Washington team, Alex Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and Backstrom, who just can't seem to stay on the ice, he's already starting the year on IR. So is Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie day-to-day already in training camp. The core's not getting any younger. I like that they brought in Connor Brown. I will say that. Connor Brown's just a terrific, hardworking, great two-way player, good offensive upside. I do like that addition. Dylan Strom as well because he played well uh, down the stretch in Chicago. Um, but boy, I mean, the core of this team ain't getting any younger. So you're going to need Connor McMichael to take a step forward. Mantha's going to have to be even more impactful. That's what you're going to need here for Washington, especially with the potential that Haglin, Backstrom, and Wilson, and maybe even Oshie may not be ready to start the year. The blue line to me is a little shaky. Fahervari is still developing, not a finished product. John Carlson, great offensively, at times defensively, not nearly. Uh, Nick Jensen, Eric Gustafson's a liability defensively at times. T- TVR, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, it's all solid, but not spectacular. Uh, Dmitry Orlov's their best, I think, shutdown, stay-at-home type defenseman, and he's actually day-to-day right now with injury. And then you've got Darcy Kemper in net. Great regular season, little shakier in the playoffs, but you don't have Colorado's blue line. And I think part of Kemper being so great was didn't face as many shots because Colorado's got the puck in their stick all the time. Colorado was just a puck possession monster. Not going to be the case so much with Washington for Darcy Kemper. You're going to have to face more shots. You're, the opposition's going to have more offensive zone time than teams that played Colorado did last year when Kemper was there. So will that negatively impact Kemper's play? We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, more negative than positive for me entering the year on Washington. How about you, Alex? Yeah, I would say the same. It's it's a uh, it's unfortunate that you know teams have to send three you know a division have to send three teams each to the playoffs because the way this metro shakes out, I really think there's only two teams worthy of going to the playoffs, and that's Carolina and New York. Washington will find a way to get there potentially, but they it won't have to do anything special. It's gonna kind of you know one get healthier than they are right now, which you know I think the Wilson injury is going to hurt them more than Backstrom. Backstrom, for as good as he's been his career, he's a guy who has stayed, uh, you know, quite injured. So I, I, I don't think his drop off is worth as much now as it used to be. Uh, the goaltending wise, you know, you look at Darcy Kemper, like I said, solid regular season goalie, but he doesn't have 
exactly what to you know work in front of him like he did in Colorado. Charlie Lindgren, don't sleep on him just yet because he's had a bit of a shaky career so far as a backup. But 5-0 and last year in his NHL time looked good in some of his AHL time, too. I saw some of his stuff during the postseason. Wasn't too bad. Maybe he's kind of grown into his own at 28, and he could be a, a capable 1A, uh, 1B option, potentially. So that could keep them afloat a little bit. Of course, we know Ovechkin's a horse. He's going for his record, and he's going to carry the team on his back as long as he possibly can. Uh, and they've got some characters that can kind of keep things afloat for a while. I see them sneaking into the playoffs and then getting bounced out quickly. So, uh, you know, Washington will have a, a okay year, but certainly won't be uh, any, anything monumental. The only thing will be, you know, the watcher for Ovechkin when he's going to keep scoring goals and how long can he keep the streak. He certainly should get past Gordy Howe this year and, of course, get you know, closer and closer to Gretzky. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the Ovechkin watch is on. Uh, that will continue throughout the season as he tries to track down uh, Wayne Gretzky's all-time uh, goal-scoring uh, record capitals like so many teams especially in that metro they're going to be right on that you know precipice of the playoffs in or out i mean it's going to be close uh with them and a bunch of teams that are all interchangeable in my opinion in that metro division all right we have reached our 32nd and final team of our season preview show the winnipeg jets uh of course rick bonus takes over as the head coach this year and he didn't waste time trying to shake things up taking the sea away from blake wheeler Wow, that's a way to try to shake things up here for the uh, Winnipeg Jets, who obviously had a disappointing uh, season a year ago, uh, finishing with just 89 points outside of the playoffs. I've got more doubts than positives about Winnipeg. The one thing that Bonus will do try to do, and it might help Winnipeg, Winnipeg struggled defensively, and Connor Hellebuck had his, one of his worst years. Uh, Bonus has become more of a defensive-minded coach. We saw it with Dallas. You know, They really focused on that end of the ice. And he's going to try to make this team a better defensive team. And I think that's what they need. I think that what Winnipeg needs and what this head coach might be able to deliver them actually fits pretty well. But are they capable, even with a system that's going to dictate more defensive awareness, going to be able to improve? Because I look at the blue line, Alex. I like Morrissey and DeMello, but I don't know if they're a top NHL pairing on the blue line. And then after that, Logan Stanley didn't progress the way we thought. Neil Pionk, after a good year two years ago, not nearly as good last year. Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, the two veterans, kind of disappointed, underwhelming with what we expected. They signed both of them in the offseason, and they didn't have the seasons we thought. Hellebuck's play declined. So that's the big question mark, defense and goaltending. And can Hellebuck bring it back and get his game back? He better, because Big Civ Dave, who's now the backup here, uh, he ain't the answer. Up front, you know, you're going to get, I think Kyle Connor is actually worth a fly or two for the Rocket. I mean, 12 to 1, he's he's going to be the guy that's going to have to absolutely go nuts offensively for this Jets team this year. And we know he's capable of it, Kyle Connor. I like Nikolai Ehlers quite a bit as well. Shifley has more to give, in my opinion. Same with Pierre-Luc Dubois in terms of game-to-game -game consistency. Blake Wheeler has lost a lot of his offensive luster, if you will. Can he get some of that back this year? That's the question. And you need some of your younger forwards that are going to get opportunity to chip in as well. Dominic Toninato, Mason Appleton's back with the Jets, Cole Perfetti and Morgan Barron in particular, good young forwards. You need offensive impact from them because I don't know if they've got that third, fourth line offensive punch, the Winnipeg Jets, like they've had in years past. So questions uh, about this team. I think in theory, conceptually, a defensive-minded coach like Bonus with a team that's trying to improve defensively is a good fit. 
I just don't know if the defensive personnel is there to for bonus uh, to realize that defensive improvement because all those guys collectively have to be better. And it's basically you're running back with the same six on defense you had last year. So it's going to have to come from within the improvement on defense. If it doesn't happen, they're going to miss the playoffs again. If it does happen, then maybe they've got a chance, but it's a big if. What do you think, Alex, for Winnipeg? Yeah, I think they miss out on the playoffs here. I think we see uh, pretty much a, a tear down overhaul, uh, you know, getting we're planning for that. In due time with this Jets team, I think this, you know, older pieces are going to start getting moved. Hellebuck, for as good as he is, he's one of the, the, the best goaltenders around, but he's logged a lot of minutes and you just wonder, you know, the wear and tear as it starts to build, will he end up missing some time long term? If he does, the Jets are in trouble with David Riddick in that and, and not much behind him as well. So there's a lot of, of, of open space here with the Jets where I just don't think they're going to be able to keep around, even with how bad the Central uh, looks to be this year, they're not good enough to to get past the Colorado, a Dallas, or Minnesota, uh, even St. Louis. I think is is is, uh, is ahead of them, and even Nashville potentially could be all be ahead of these teams. Only teams worse would be the Hawks and, and then the Oats. So this is a Winnipeg team. I'm I'm very low on. We'll look to fade them, especially if we start seeing uh, stretches where Hellebuck gets four, five, six starts in a row. I'll be looking to kind of fade him on those those fifth and sixth starts. Uh, and we might be able to get some good value. So that's where I'm looking at. I'm looking at fading the Jets, not even totals-wise, but just just on the money line. I'll probably be betting against them more often than not. All right, there we go. And that is your NHL season preview. In terms of looking at all 32 teams, I guarantee you we're the only show on YouTube that's doing this. Every team previewing them uh, start to finish uh, alphabetical order for the season ahead. But it was great analysis, great insight, and we hope we gave you some ideas to look uh, at for the upcoming season. And we are excited to be with you, of course, every day. That's right, every single day, seven days a week, starting next Tuesday. Uh, we are very much looking forward to that. Every game on the board, it'll be Alex and I. We'll have Jimmy Murphy on with us once a week. We'll have tons of guests sprinkled on throughout the uh, season as well. So looking forward to another season of the Ice Guys. But before we wrap up this show, I know some people have asked about it in the chat. We weren't going to leave before we talked a little NHL global regular season opener tomorrow uh, in Prague of the Czech Republic, San Jose Sharks, Nashville Predators, uh, Nashville minus 185 favorites here in this uh, first of the back-to-back. They play again on Saturday. This is specifically the Friday game uh, that we're talking about here, five and a half the total in this one. We do have James Reimer confirmed as the goalie for San Jose uh, in this game, you'd expect UC Soros to be the goalie for Nashville, but with it being a back-to-back, is there a chance they rest him the first game and only play him the second game? I don't think that's the case. In fact, I think there's a better chance that they play him both games uh, because in the in the Czech Republic here. But I would expect it to be Soros for Nashville. Look, I think Nashville's better than San Jose. I'm not looking to bet San Jose. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, it's either fade San Jose or pass. But I'm not playing a buck eighty-five in a. Way, far away from home, miles away from home, uh, over in Europe for an opener in a, in a you know unique environment, you know overseas. I'm not laying that kind of price in the very first game of the season. I would try to get creative, Alex. That would be my best uh, recommendation here. Like I'm not going to bet much on this game, if anything. Maybe I'd look at some props. Maybe I'd look at you know I'd look at maybe a first period correct score prop. Nashville won nothing. I'm seeing that at plus three seventy five. I think that's something you could sprinkle a couple bucks on. I could see that. I could see it being a tight, 
you know, conservative opening period, but Nashville breaks through, finds a goal, and they shut out San Jose, who I don't think are going to be great offensively outside of Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer and Logan Couture. I think they're going to have trouble outside of that threesome to be able to score goals this year. So that's the one thing I've got my eye on. Maybe first period score, one nothing Nashville. You can get that at about plus 375. Uh, Alex, any betting no. thoughts here? San Jose, Nashville, and Prague. My, my plan of attack was going to be to watch this game and look for some live opportunities and then go from there to look to what to bet on for Saturday. So I know I've heard a lot of people already say, you know, fade whoever wins Friday for Saturday. I'm not necessarily just going straight to that theory, but I want to just kind of get some some more intel and see where this is going. I usually don't bet these uh, European Open. I remember the Hawks did it. Uh, years ago against uh, the Flyers, I don't really touch these uh, too many too many times when they go, even if it's in the middle of the season. Uh, but so you know, you want to kind of tread lightly. If anything, you know, I probably will look to fade both of these teams. Certainly, maybe San Jose when they come back to the states for their you know uh, domestic opener. So that's something that I'm kind of have more soaked than anything else as far as these two teams being concerned. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, tread lightly with these two games. That's exactly uh, what I'm going to be doing here. And then the Saturday games, the Saturday game, we can't. Re- I can't really say much because a lot of it is going to be, let's see what happens Friday, and we make our decisions for it, to bet anything for the Saturday game between these two teams based on what happens on Friday. But if, if, if you want to get involved with Nashville in some form, maybe you look at a first period minus a half uh, in the first period. I, could, I, I wouldn't talk you out of that. Uh, maybe a puck line for greater value, but I could see Nashville winning by a goal exactly. So be careful with this. Like I say, minus a half first period might be your best look, but I like that one nothing Nashville at plus 375 after and the you, first period. You know what? If, if I like anything, Ian, if you like anything, we'll just put it on Patreon on, for, yep. for the Saturday game. We'll just post it up on there. Yeah, exactly, because we won't be on the air after this show wraps up in a few minutes to, until Tuesday next week when we will be with you for the uh, North American opening night uh, on Tuesday. Uh, and we are definitely looking forward to that. That'll be our first, you know, everyday live show uh, during the NHL season next Tuesday. We're looking forward to that. And it looks like we might have our old friend who will be with us a lot this year on the show. Vito, Renas Vitalins will be joining us Tuesday. It looks like for that show, uh, for the North American opening night, we'll talk, of course, Lightning Rangers and Golden Knights Kings. Uh, a nice doubleheader next Tuesday. Uh, looking forward to that. And Vito will be with us for our Saturday and our Sunday shows once again this year, just like he was last year. So uh, looking forward to that. We're going to have Jimmy on once a week. We've got uh, several guests coming up toward the end of the month, the last couple weeks of October. So we're looking forward to it. The BetCasts, uh, by the way, our first BetCast is going to be Tuesday, October 25th. All right, the last Tuesday of October, that will be our first live BetCast uh, of the season. And we'll do one per month on a Tuesday in October, November, December and January. And Tuesday's the obvious day, Alex, because who the hell wants to do a bet cast on Thursday when there's Thursday night football and right. there's other things going on? We want to stay away from football. Yeah, uh, exactly. no doubt. We want nothing to do with competing with NFL football. So <laughs> that's why we pick Tuesday night. It's the obvious night. Lots of hockey games always on Tuesday night. So great night to do the bet cast. Uh, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, before we wrap up this massive mega edition of the Ice Guys and our NHL season preview show, Alex, some final thoughts before we wrap it up. 
Yeah, I'm going to try my best to get all these timestamps for people so they can just kind of flip through through the weekend and pick what teams they want to listen to hear us talk about or you can watch the whole show either way. Uh, that all will be available. Uh, like I said, definitely check out patreon.com slash iceguys. We're going to have way more content on there. I know a lot of people were kind of disappointed last year. Things kind of fell off, but we got all the charts back. Ian's got his own set of power rankings. I have mine with the goalie depth charts and home ice advantage. Uh, we'll have some write-ups and some other fun things in there as well. Check out the store, Ice Guys, uh, at myspreadshop.com. We got a brand new T-shirt in there. We're going to have some more things we're going to be throwing in there in the mix. Uh, the, the same logo with hoodies and caps and all that. So check all that stuff out. I also want to say thanks again to National Hockey Now for uh, being our new carriers and, and looking forward to what's going to be another fun season of hockey. Absolutely. Well, so, oh, jeez. God, we got to do this, of course, before we end it. We do this every year. almost forgot. It's because we usually do two preview shows, not one. So we usually save it till the second one. But because I'm gone all day tomorrow, uh, we did, we're just doing the one big preview show today. But we got to give you our Stanley Cup final and Stanley Cup champion predictions. I almost forgot. I've already made up my mind. Now, last year I got one right. I said Colorado, Carolina uh, in the Stanley Cup final. Colorado obviously got there last year. So we got one of them uh, in the Stanley Cup final. Let's see if we can get both of them in the Stanley Cup final. And I didn't have to think long and hard. I said, I, I like these teams. I'm making up my mind. I'm putting my foot down right now. This is going to be your Stanley Cup final this year. New York Rangers, Calgary Flames. Stanley Cup final for me. Uh, I was going back and forth with Edmonton. They were in the mix in the West. I could have gone with them. Uh, Carolina was in the mix in the East as well. And a couple other teams. But I went with the New York Rangers versus the Calgary Flames. My Stanley Cup final prediction this year. And I'm going to go with the Calgary Flames, believe it or not, to end the drought for Canada, believe it or not, because I think they're just they're so complete, both ends of the ice, forward, defense. Uh, Daryl Sutter has won a Stanley Cup. I think he's finally got the personnel he wants. It hurts because I was I thought for a minute I was going to go with the Rangers, but I'm going to go with Calgary uh, over the Rangers uh, in the Stanley Cup final with the Rangers-Flames uh, Stanley Cup final. So that's my prediction there. Uh, again, we got one of the teams that I predicted in the final last year, hopefully both this year. Alex, what do you think? Stanley Cup final and champion. Well, it's funny because I also had one of those teams last year right along with you in Colorado, and we've got a team in common this year. I like the New York Rangers out of the East. Uh, like I said, it was between them and Carolina. I think they're going to be neck and neck all year long. I think we can see them play. If they meet in the playoffs, it'll be the exciting full seven games. Uh, and I think the Rangers can come out of that. I think they can win the East. Out of the West, I like the Minnesota Wild. I think they'll be able to, to finally exercise the Demons and, and make a run, and they can finally win the Western Conference, bring a Stanley Cup Finals game back to the state of Minnesota for the first time since 1991. But ultimately, it's probably going to end a lot like 91 as well. I like the New York Rangers to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup, uh, bring it back to Madison Square Garden. I think the Rangers are going to have a ton of talent, especially if they can make the moves they're talking about. We, you know, we've been hearing all the way back to the beginning, the end of this last year, Patrick Kane could end up being in a Ranger uniform at some time. That happens during the deadline, and this team produces already without him. That addition, I think, will take them over the top, and, and they'll be able to win it. So I like the Rangers in the wild to meet in the finals, and I like New York to hoist Lord Snelly's Cup at the end of the summer. There you go. We both like the Rangers in the final. Alex has the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup, but doing so over the Minnesota Wild in the Stanley Cup final. And I don't even think our good friend Terry's here live in the chat to hear that. Maybe he is, but he's just not in the chat at the moment of all times for him not to be around. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, 
Oh, well. Uh, nevertheless, great stuff. Great show. Thanks to everyone. I mean, too many people to name. Jarek Rubel, I love seeing your name in the chat because we haven't seen you uh, as much last year. I know you're busy. MDR24, Real Deal Prime. Uh, you know, Melissa was around in the chat briefly. Of course, Let's Go Wild Picks, Terry Edelman, Brian Watson, uh, everybody that I didn't name, uh, David Shelton, Alan Trimble, Rocco Rogers, uh, Dominic French, uh, Olaf Fubb. Uh, who was on our betcasts down the stretch last year, Manny Davison, everybody that uh, joined us, C. Bills, a diehard MMA podcast, a.k.a. Clint McClain. I mean, everybody, Barry Smith, Ben James, we appreciate all of you joining us here uh, on this preview show, season preview edition of the Ice Guys, our first sojourn, maiden voyage, if you will, with our new partners here at Hockey, uh, National Hockey Now. Uh, great stuff, as always. And that'll wrap it up. We will be back with you on Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for our first everyday live show uh, of the Ice Guys for the new season. And we'll preview the ESPN North American opening night doubleheader. Uh, looking forward to it on Tuesday. For Alex B. Smith, uh, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy the two uh, San Jose-Nashville games over in Prague. Good luck. And we will talk to you again on Tuesday. Uh, for another edition uh, of the Ice Guys, and we get the season started Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. It's the Ice Guys presented by the National Hockey Now.